You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the fourth and final day in our Christmas countdown, our Christmas Tim Allen countdown, because there's nothing that screams Christmas more than Tim the Tool Man Taylor. And sadly, I kind of wish in retrospect that we had gone over maybe all eight Home Improvement Christmas specials. <laughs> Instead, we've progressively gotten worse as this week has gone along. Uh, maybe a bit of a pickup here on the end, but we have finished our Santa Claus trilogy and are here to talk about Christmas with the Cranks, the 2004 Christmas classic, according to Australian television commercials. <laughs> um, but this was a really interesting movie, and I guess I kind of have a little bit of affection for this movie, but uh, I, I'm still not, even though I've seen this several times, still not entirely sure how I feel about it. It'd be interesting to get another perspective on it. My name is Colin, otherwise known as Enrique. My name is Ben, and five minutes ago I was a genius. Now you're an idiot. That has nothing to do with the movie. That's just how we all feel about. Yeah, ben. I, I wasn't. Quite, was I meant to quote something? Oh, sorry. I just, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. You, you lost it here. Yeah, sorry. Um, I know you said you'd never seen this movie, so uh, I'll kind of just jump in here first. <laughs> and uh, we are here on Christmas Eve. Let's also say Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, Happy New Year as well, since uh, we have nothing more interesting to talk about after this for the rest of the year. We just decided to end it on the best here. Uh, I mean, I was a huge Tim Allen fan, and I think, as I said at the beginning, Tim Allen and Christmas, the two really do go hand in hand. I mean, even outside of the Santa Claus trilogy, like the Home Improvement Christmas specials, I can't think of any other show that was that big when it came to Christmas episodes or Christmas specials. I mean, I tried... You know, for the last couple of years to go over a lot of these sitcoms I grew up watching and find the Christmas episodes. And what you'll generally find is that most shows will do one maybe every few years. And Home Improvement was like every single year and it was like the biggest episode of the year. And then he had the Santa Claus trilogy. And then he had this. Um, and <laughs> what an interesting movie this was. Uh, I remember seeing this and hearing such terrible reviews. I kind of talked about this on the end of the last episode that this was like the most hated movie of any critic ever when it came out like it had a negative you know uh rotten tomato rating uh and audiences seemed to hate it as well like i remember i mentioned in the last episode I, I the imdb rating was like in the twos and it seems to have jumped up in years since but the interesting thing about this movie is that it made a ton of money and it made uh, a good amount week to week it's not like its business just dropped out after the first week so i don't know maybe this movie has a bit of a following and i find that as much as i struggle to really laugh out loud to this movie i find it amusing still and particularly some of the stuff on the end i'm actually really fond of so uh you have no history with this movie ben uh but what are your impressions after seeing it now for the first time i just want to start out by saying and just bear with me that this movie is dumb but like of course like it's it's dumb it's so dumb but there's something about it that i kind of enjoyed (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Which is weird, because I'm going to have so many criticisms about this film in terms of the plot, and just, there's so many assholes in this film. <laughs> like, am I meant to think... That, like, all of them. Well, am I meant to think Tim Allen's an asshole? I think he's the maybe the one person that comes out of this is like, is he really an asshole? Everyone's an asshole to him. <laughs> like, yeah. It's kind of like... No, I'm, we're already on the same page. Like, the whole thing is he wants a break from Christmas and everyone makes it out like he's the asshole for doing this. What's wrong with yeah. having a holiday? Like, <laughs> Jesus. So I kind of feel sorry for Tim in this movie. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's something, you know, these these type of movies that are just so ridiculously over the top with, like, the slapstick and just the dumbness and the acting. and But there's just something about this that... 
I don't know. Like, I could see myself watching this again, if you know what I mean. Like, I know you kind of groan and, oh, Jingle All The Way, that's dumb. Which it is. I'm not, you know, I love Jingle All The Way, but it's a dumb film if you think about, like, what we're watching. Um, but there's sometimes, like, there's nothing wrong with these films just if you just want dumb escapist fun, if you know what I mean. And it's kind of... That's, for the most part, what Christmas movies are. I mean, yeah, I know you've kind of got these redeeming messages in Christmas movies and everything along those lines, but I don't know. I, I didn't have any expectations coming into this. Um, I, I'm a Tim Allen fan. I like Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, she kind of weirdly reminds me of my mum, which I guess I can reference why later on. Um, I like Dan Aykroyd. Um, Felicity Huffman's in it for, as you said, the end of last episode, like five seconds. The aunt from Sabrina the Teenage Witch is the other woman involved in that scene. Um, the little kid from Malcolm in the Middle. I mean, there's got a lot of people in this film. Uh, what's his name from Starship Troopers is the cop. Um, yeah, I Jake mean... Jake Busey. Jake Busey, thank you. So, like, I mean, there's... I like the cast. I like uh, portions of this, it's just, but it's just dumb. It's just... It, I can see why this got bad reviews. I can see why this was hated, but I can also see why maybe it's slowly becoming a bit of a, a cult favourite because, you know, this is one of those ones I feel that just, you're going to put on this bit dumb. Like, you think of, like, Home Alone, was that, you know, I mean, I guess that was popular when it was released, but, oh yeah, I mean, Home Alone's kind of dumb if you think about, like, everything that goes in that. I'm not trying to rip you into Home Alone, I love Home Alone, but anyway, this movie's dumb and I'm looking yeah. forward to talking about it. I mean, that's actually one of the best comparisons I can think of as far as the style of comedy and really what the movie's about. I, and you obviously have to look at, you know, Chris Columbus, who did the Home Alone movies, wrote this movie. And I don't know, I think at some point he was attached to direct this as well. But you can feel a bit of a Home Aloneness with this. I think the biggest problem is that Home Alone was dumb comedy made for kids, where it's maybe a little bit acceptable. And this really changed nothing about it. It just had the adults doing the same slapstick humor. Uh, but I feel like there's a lot of similarities, especially when you get to the end, that the movie had this really cool way of transitioning from just over-the-top dumb, as you said, dumb, dumb humor, to having just kind of the sweet ending on it, where you're like, that's just a really nice ending. So... Uh, I guess we'll talk about the ending later, which is one of my favorite parts about the movie, and get your opinion on that, because I've also heard that's one of the criticisms this movie has, is that people say it's just too drastic of a shift, and that yeah. they, they would have rather an over-the-top ending on this as opposed to this this night's heartfelt ending. But uh, another interesting history bit on this, uh, if I, something I never thought that I would hear, uh, from the man that brought you the firm, the Pelican Brief, <laughs> A Time to Kill, The Client... <laughs> The Chamber, Runaway Jury, comes Christmas with the Cranks. This was based on a novel written by John Grisham. Um, <laughs> are you a John Grisham fan? Either through the movie? I know you're not a fan from the books. You can't read. But I, it movies, took, yeah, movies. Look, I, look I, I'm going to be honest with you to kind of let's paint the Benny's dumb picture. For a long time, I thought John Grisham was the lead character on CSI, but then I realized that was Gil Grisham. <laughs> um, so, but I, I honestly haven't seen a lot. Um, I mean, he did the Pelican Brief, didn't he? That's him, right? Yeah. Um, I think I've seen that. Um, the Rainmaker, was that? Yeah, no, I think I've seen that. I'm just looking here. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a few of yeah. them. Uh, I'm not going out of my way to look at them. I, I realise, obviously, he's uh, esteemed, but, uh, you know, this is me. I don't read. <laughs> but, I mean, he's known for these really intense legal thrillers, yeah. and that's pretty much all he does. And when he wrote this book, it was meant to be a departure. He wanted to do something completely different. Um I was familiar with the because I, I read a lot of John Grisham around the time this was coming out, and I'll still say probably two of my top five favorite books of all time would be The Rainmaker and The Firm. 
so I like I read you know almost every John Grisham book by the time this movie came out. And I remember seeing this book and not reading it because I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like a John Grisham. But I always kind of had this idea, if John Grisham was doing this, he's kind of humorless. It's not like there's a lot of jokes in A Time to Kill, you know? Samuel Jackson's daughter was raped by racist hillbillies. Haha, isn't that so funny? Pagan um, comedy. Yeah, exactly. And I honestly believed that when this movie came out and I heard they're doing it with Tim Allen... I'm like, oh, well, it's probably going to have nothing to do with the book. But in reading up, not having read the book, but in reading up on the book, John Grisham went out of his way to write kind of a dopey comedy book. So from everything I can tell, the movie's pretty true to the book. It's just maybe a lot of things translate better on page than they do on screen. Because that's I kind of feel like a lot of these scenes here, maybe it was just a little bit too brief or the, the setup wasn't right, some of the delivery wasn't right. Uh, we can blame the director for that because we talk about you know, John Grisham, huge talent providing the source material. Chris Columbus, I mean, how many classic movies is Chris Columbus associated with? Him? <laughs> so. Yeah, Home Alone, just to start with. I mean, you go on from there, I'm not really the hugest Harry Potter fan, but I mean, he he basically ushered in the Harry Potter series and uh, Discovered America. You know, so on and so on. Yeah, exactly. Discovered America. <laughs> um, and can you believe it's been so long since Bicentennial Man, that classic. Wow. Uh, we're not saying he's not without his flaws. He did Stepmom. I love Stepmom. I'm looking Step here. Mom, Jingle nine all the, months. He was involved in Jingle All the Way. There you go. Um, yeah. Nine months. I said last week one of my favorites growing up, probably the, the hardest I've ever laughed in my life was the first time I saw Nine Months. Uh, but then the director, Joe Roth, and again, I'm not going to make too many judgments. I think he's primarily a producer that got into directing. Um, he was coming off of America's Sweethearts. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, and then they handed him this. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe that's where some of the delivery is off. But the other interesting thing, just history-wise on this movie, is that it came out in November of 2004, and there was another Christmas movie that was in production this time with Ben Affleck, who a year earlier was like huge, huge star. So when they were developing these movies, uh, they're like, okay, we got this skipping Christmas book. Ben Affleck's making this surviving Christmas movie. Maybe we should avoid a bit of a war here and confusion, and we'll change our title to Christmas of the Cranks. Uh, and then Jiggly happened. <laughs> Wait, so can I decide to interrupt? Because I always got sorry to interrupt, but I, I always got this one confused. Didn't Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito do a similar movie to this at some point as well? Deck the Halls, yeah, which I think came out a few years after this. So I always got this yeah, confused, kind of... and I've never seen any of them. And that Ben Affleck one, yeah, I, I remember that one too. But to me, I'd always see trailers and posters, and I'm like, is that just the same movie? Yeah, I mean, Deck the Halls definitely has a lot of similarities to this, and I think that's also another under... I mean, the thing is with Christmas movies, they're, they're kind of meant to be garbage, most of them. Yeah. You get the odd classic, but most Christmas movies, there's a reason why Hallmark makes 90 of them, you know, per November, December, every single year. Uh, and you kind of summed it up. This is just your average one. But it, I just found it hilarious that it was to avoid the competition with Surviving Christmas, and that... The John Grisham, Chris Columbus, Tim Allen, Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd one said, will budge. And had they known what was going to happen in Ben Affleck's career only a year earlier with Jiggly, I mean, would they have ever bothered to change the title to the very odd Christmas of the Cranks? Or could <laughs> Surviving Christmas have been, you know, uh, Surviving Ben Affleck or Surviving uh, Benlow or whatever they called them? <laughs> uh, what were they called? Benefer. Benefer, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we could have had skipping Christmas or whatever, but that's just 
interesting history lesson there. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with any of this. You said you kind of confused these movies, but uh, did you ever see the Ben Affleck Surviving Christmas? No, I have a weird thing with Christmas movies that I just basically stick to what I know. I never go out of my way to see new ones. Um, So, like, yeah, I mean... I didn't go out of my way to see any of these ones. I, I couldn't tell you the last new Christmas movie I saw. I think my Christmas movies always, you know, associated around the Santa Claus, Jingle All the Way, Home Alone, Die Another, uh, Die Another Day. Well, that too. Uh, <laughs> Die Hard. Uh, I remember randomly um, as a kid in the school holidays, I'd always show that Hulk Hogan one. What was it like, Santa with muscles or something like that? Which, oh, um, <laughs> they showed that in schools? No, no, no. Like as in when I was sorry, when I was school holidays had ended, and you'd have that week sort of oh. in the lead up to Christmas. That'd be like the <laughs> midday. Yeah, that was educational in Tasmania <laughs> in the nineties. Um, which I, I mean, I didn't necessarily like the movie, but I'm a dumb kid, so I'm going to watch it because it's Hulk Hogan yeah. in a Santa suit. So I never kind of would go. I could not tell you the newest. I mean, Love Actually is what around this period or year beforehand. So I saw a thing recently where, which is kind of if you think about, like you mentioning like Gigli and like the early 2000s, this is the day and age of like nostalgia. You know, things are always nostalgic. The early 2000s really aren't holding up that too well when it comes to movies and music and pop culture, really, are they? Like, wow, 9-11 had a huge effect on society at the early half of last decade, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean... I think the one thing that, you know, really helped this movie that came out, though, was that it was very family friendly. I mean, I, I'm not saying that three years later, 9-11 had an effect on that. But at the end of this episode, when we go through the competition that this movie had and you look at the difference in the box office, it's actually quite interesting to, to kind of see how much family friendly films maybe were were uh, uh, in season at that point. Um We'll just jump into the movie here, and, you know, it's Christmas Eve. Nobody wants to spend three and a half hours listening to us, and if you do, go back and listen to the Santa Claus one. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more fun doing that one. That was uh, good. That was still, a good movie, because I'm watching that tonight. It was. So I can't wait, yeah. and I've podcasted about it now. So, you know, Kenny Vadas, I can hate that little shit even more. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Kenny Vadas wasn't in this one, so we're not going to hate it that much. Uh, the movie basically starts with a very sad-looking couple in bed, and it's actually a pretty effective way to introduce everything this movie's about just in the first two scenes. Uh, and I think it's a good way to introduce the characters, too. So there are some things that I think this movie does really white, right, particularly these more, I'm not going to say dramatic bits, but the more serious moments of this. And you just see them looking, like, depressed, and you're not really sure why, and you realize they're sending their daughter Blair off oh. to Peru, you said oh, I've, I had a feeling this would be a Ben girl here. Yeah, have, did I hit the nail? On the head? Damn straight. Yeah, I, like I, her. <laughs> I found her to be kind of boring. Uh, well, the character's boring, but, but she's good to look at. Yeah, yeah, she's all right. I mean, there's better ones in this movie, I'm sure. Um, Ooh, Jamie Lee. Are there? Yeah, oh, well, maybe. Felicity, Felicity Hoffman's all right. Yeah, probably. Bev. Um, Bev. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, she's got this short hair. Podcast. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, this is the podcast that's going to finally tell the world how sexy little old Bev, what's her name was in Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> Bev Shiel, <laughs> sex symbol of two thousand four. Mm. Uh, let's uh, let's skip past Blair here for a second because this is all she has to do in the movie until the last half hour here. Uh, 
they're coming home and, and another one of the scenes i really like here is uh just again showing like the the difficulty in life and this is something that would have been missing in the santa claus 3 which of course was made two years after this is just showing the frustration of this guy luther crank you know with little things his daughter's going away he doesn't really know what to think their life's completely different you know they've got to stop to get some of the store it's pouring rain you know he's like i don't have an umbrella and she's like well fine i'll go and he's like i guess i'll go that is me at least three out of every seven days of the week. Where, and Jamie's yelling at you. Did you get the white chocolate? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's more. Yeah, it's more her saying, "Oh no, it's fine. I'll do it." And you feel, you know, like, oh, yeah. do I really want her to be going out in minus twenty five, trekking through the snow just to take out the garbage? You know, twenty feet away. So it's a lot of, hey, I'll take out the garbage. I'm like, no, 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 I'll take it. And it's like, oh no, no, no it's fine. It's like, okay. I'm feeling emasculated now. <laughs> Let me do this one thing. Let me take out the garbage. But I've been in the situation so many times also where I just don't want to go. And it's like, it's pouring rain. Jamie's like, well, we need the Vicks for the baby or whatever it is, uh, which is probably the most recent. It's why I'm single because I just make Louise do everything. I just, eh, I can't yeah. be bored. You do it. <laughs> I'm recording. She's Shut like, up. <laughs> she's like, I'm really sick. Oh, I've got such a bad headache. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing up. Can you get me some gravel? And you're like, no, do it yourself. I really was a dick. Like, I'm not even, like, elaborating there. <laughs> I, I will own the fact that I was a dick to her in that department. So, hash, hashtag again, reasons why Ben is single. <laughs> and I'll say, when I... I've been married now for five years. When you're married five years, you're kind of in between the two. There's a lot of her saying, can you take out the garbage? I'm like, I don't want to. And she's like, I'll take out the garbage. I'm like, fine, do it. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, one of the neighbors might be overhearing this conversation or something. <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, but he just doesn't want to get the umbrella from uh, little Santa Angel here, who's going to become uh, a big character in this later on in the movie. Uh, you know, why doesn't he need the umbrella? Because he couldn't get any wetter. He just gets completely drenched. He sees this advertising for the Caribbean. Um, when they're back home, you, you get that Luther has this idea in his head. They get back home. There's decoration boxes everywhere. Uh, this is how I lived at work. I'm, I'm going to have fun when we talk about decorations later. I'm interested to see what kind of decorating guy you are. But during dinner, there's decoration boxes everywhere. Jamie Lee Curtis is in her extremely ugly. I, I know ugly sweaters are a thing now where you go out of your way to make them ugly. This is like a naturally ugly sweater, which I absolutely love. Uh, and he's going on and on. It's like, i got a surprise for you. And she starts unbuttoning her ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> and this is one of the few moments in the movie that really does make me laugh every time. Uh, he just keeps coming out with, like, uh, he's putting the Caribbean music on. And she's like, can you shut the curtains at least? And he's like, hey, I'm going to dance with you. And he's trying to give her this idea we're going on this vacation. And she's like, it's not even Saturday night. <laughs> just unbuttoning more and more. He's like, what are you doing? No, we're going to the Caribbean. Um uh, this is where he unloads his whole plan that what they want to do is skip Christmas. And I'm totally on board with you that Luther Crank is the only real smart guy in this movie and the only nice guy because he pitches this in the nicest way possible. He's not saying, I'm a grump, I'm a Scrooge. He's like, we don't have to do all this extra work anymore. And I'm sure everybody's been there at some point. And he's like, we can go on this cruise and let's look at the money. He spent his afternoon working out the numbers. He's like, if we were to go on, you know, the cruise, it's going to cost us this much money. If we stay at home and celebrate Christmas the way we normally do, it costs us this much. She goes, we save money by growing on a cruise? And she's sold there. Um, of course, there's stipulations with this. It's a total boycott of Christmas, which means uh, they're not going to even donate to charities, which that becomes the uh, the, the argument they have. Uh 
we'll kind of cover one more scene here after she eventually agrees with this as long as we make our charitable donations which to me i felt like that didn't fit in the movie that was just a really weird thing where if you're gonna have her agree with this just agree with it because the charities they don't really factor into the movie at all in fact it's quite the opposite where he constantly keeps getting approached by other charities and saying no so i just don't get why they couldn't have just had them boycott everything and then later it's like well well it's a charity luther and it's like no no, no we made a deal um but when he shows up at work, he gives this uh, speech, and this is kind of where we'll leave it off here, because it's really important to understand why Luther is the real hero of this movie, surrounded by a bunch of villains. He writes this very polite memo to his workplace people. Dear colleagues, uh, I will not be celebrating Christmas. I am not angry at Christmas. I'm not angry at anybody here. I'm not going to yell bah humbug to anybody. If you wish me a Merry Christmas, I will smile, I will wave, I will move on. This is the nicest way ever to say I will not be doing this, this, and this. And everybody gives him the cold shoulder later in the movie. Uh, so that's basically the premise of the movie here in about 20 minutes. And everything that's going to follow from this point on is mostly going to be just slapstick humor. So we'll see how long this episode lasts. But uh, I kind of like the opening bit of this movie. I, it goes along with almost everything I'm going to say here. Nothing is really making me laugh out loud, but I like the story and I like the premise. Can I just point out that... Um I think we mentioned it in one of these episodes, you know, maybe one of the most famous Christmas stories of all time, you know, uh, like a Christmas carol, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge sees the whole ghosts of visions and all that sort of stuff. Like he is the epitome, him and maybe the Grinch of hating Christmas. People are still nice to Ebenezer Scrooge. They are not dicks to the guy who already yeah. is a dick. So why yeah. is everyone in this film a dick? to Tim Allen for just basically oh, one year. And it's, this is the thing. It's not like he's saying, I'm never doing Christmas again. He says one year. One year we're not yeah. doing Christmas. One vacation. One vacation. And he has a reason to. Yeah. He's like, I'm not even going to be here at Christmas. It's not even, I'm not celebrating. I'm celebrating my own way. And when, like, this is the thing. When family members leave, you celebrate differently. When I moved out of home for the first time in my life, back there now but that's a whole other story uh like my <laughs> mom and my dad did christmas differently they didn't put a tree up like as early as they would they didn't put as much up they just didn't do it and now even in my situation right now we don't do as much as we did when i was younger or like when i moved out with louise things like that so like things change you do things differently it's great to be traditional i am a traditionalist i love keeping up traditions but like sometimes you've got to change things every now and then i worked on christmas day two years ago it was like terrible but you make do for one year and then you come back to it a year later yeah. so i'm like you and i are just going to be defending tim allen in this movie because <laughs> everyone is a dick to tim allen in this movie he's not doing anything wrong um but on that like yeah i i i like <laughs> like random little bits i kind of like the um the water bit like with the rain and just like the thing that yeah. falls down on him um i think that's kind of funny um, I like his line when he's like, oh, sorry, who'd have thought to ask the butcher where the chocolate is? Um, <laughs> you know, what does, he, what does he say? Like, oh, do you speak to Rex or Ray or whatever it is? Um, but I, I love it when he comes in and he's dancing. It's just like yeah. that daggy, like, dad dancing. Like, I think the things I laughed at this was just Tim Allen's, like, slapstick physical comedy. Like, you know, him dancing. I love the Botox scene that will come. Um, just like, just the random bits. And yeah, I love, uh, JB Lee Curtis. Ooh, it's not even, that just reminds me of, um, I love fun with Dick and Jane 
when they're in oh, yeah. when they're in bed and they're like, oh yeah, that's excited. We can have sex on Saturday. Okay, put it in our schedules. I'll get the new Sade CD from uh, Starbucks. Like they're scheduling sex, um, which you know, as anybody who's been in a long term relationship, that actually happens. Um, not for see, Colin. <laughs> sex is when men and women. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Uh, so I just love the start of this. So just like, yeah, he's little dancing and, um, I just like, there are a few like inconsistencies, I think with the skipping Christmas thing too, because like they've still got a wreath on their door. Um, it's like, well, if you're boycotting it completely, why do you have a wreath on your door still? Why is she still reading Christmas stories to like the sick kids? If she, yeah. there's a few little things here and there. But um, you're absolutely right about him, like, handing up the, the memo. Like, I mean, again, this is 2004, though. Why is he not just sending a group email? I mean, email was a thing in 2004. Um, but, like, he's been so polite about it. You know, he's like, as you said, like, oh, if you say this to me, I'll acknowledge it. You know, he is doing the civil thing. From this point on, just everyone is a massive dick. To Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it really annoys me that, like, this is Christmas spirit. And this is, this is a thing, like, I know I'm jumping ahead to the ending, but, like, the message in this thing. The one thing that, like, really I think is glaring is this whole message, to me, does feel a bit forced. Because, like, generally with a Christmas movie with a message, it's kind of a build-up. Like, this guy should be an asshole from the beginning. I mean, Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge, he's an asshole, but he changes at the end. You know, Santa, the Santa Claus, you know, Tim Allen doesn't believe in Santa, does this. At the end, he's mad. You know, it's, that's the up-building message. To me, this kind of does come out of nowhere at the end, but we'll get to that. But, um, just... For a Christmas movie that's meant to have a message, what is the message that, oh, if you've got some person in your neighbourhood who doesn't want to celebrate Christmas, guilt them into it and hopefully they'll have a long-term daughter return back, which she's only been away for a couple of weeks too. Can we point that out? It's not like she's away for six years. Um, Six weeks is the exact amount of time she's been gone. Which is ridiculous. I'm coming home. It's been so long. It's been six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you're saying at the at the beginning here. It's uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting start. So from this point on, he's let everybody know we're not celebrating Christmas, and this is where all the creepy, um, what would we call this? Uh, non celebrating. <laughs> People shaming. We've got to have the Christmas uh, the Cranks equivalent of fat shaming here. Or, or like, uh, this basic crisisist. Um, they're they're cranksist. Cranksist. <laughs> crisisist. Um, yeah, cranksist. Uh, I like that. Yeah, all the cranksist out there. Uh, which it's so weird. Some of these are kind of understandable. Uh, and believe it or not, I'm going to have some defenses of these cranksists later on, just in subtle ways. But the card guy. This is the weirdest thing in the entire movie next to Blinking Snowman at the end, which was a great callback to License to Kill. Uh, listen to Double R Seven. Lots of blinking in that but, blinking cat, blinking snowman. Like, yeah. They were big License to Kill fans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joe Roth took all of his inspiration from License to Kill, apparently, uh, <laughs> including killing Tim Allen's Christmas <laughs> <laughs> franchise career like he did timothy dalton's, yeah, Tim, no, timothy dalton's car- christmas uh, career or just james bond career <laughs> merry christmas old Both, buddy apparently <laughs> uh i love we make bond references on here because like all of our double oz seven listeners all our fifteen thousand up to upwards of fifteen thousand double oz seven listeners we tell that joke like ah <laughs> we tell it here on double oz seven they're like what are these guys talking about <laughs> ew james uh, bond like ugh. this is yeah, a generic timothy film Dalton. one 
We're Tim Allen. Different Tim. Like, this is like, you know, the day and age of the Hollywood Chrises. This is back in the day of Tim Allen, Tim Dalton. Insert another famous Tim here. Uh, <laughs> Who's another famous Tim? <laughs> um, Tim Taylor. Tim t- <laughs> Wait, same person. Uh, Jonathan Tim but- Tol- Thomas. No, that's stupid. Move on. <laughs> Jonathan Timmer Thomas? <laughs> Uh, when's Jonathan Taylor uh, Thomas oh, month coming to the Oz Network? <laughs> oh, I, you could put like Wild America in there. Did a Tom Santa and movie. Huff. What was that? Coming home for Christmas yeah, order. That was a good movie. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Like, we should just make this an annual thing where we take '90s Christmas movie, kind of like the Santa Claus uh, Honest Trailer, where it talks about you know the 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 movies uh, you grew yeah, up on. Yeah. All the way, Santa Claus, I'll be home for Christmas. These are great movies. And you watch them now, you're like, not really. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll do I'll be home for Christmas or whatever the Jonathan Taylor Thomas was for next year. That's a promise. Do we get to do the Lion King whole... before the shit one comes out? Can we do the good one? Please, no. I don't even like that. I was telling somebody today, <sighs> I might be the only person on the planet who thinks that the Lion King is the most boring Disney movie ever. Get off my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about Christmas the Cranks for 90 minutes. Go. Uh... <laughs> So this card guy stalker is so weird because he's like, oh, I've got all these cards here for you. Oh, we're not doing cards this year. Oh, and then he follows her to the store or to the restaurant or whatever. This is just like beyond crazy because this guy doesn't even know them. Everybody else I can kind of defend because they know him. Like here you get introduced to Ben's favorite character, uh, uh, Felicity Huffman, oh. the, the snooty friend, which you can understand a friend like this being. It's like, well, but we always celebrate Christmas stuff together. But this card guy, like, who is this even on first name basis with them? This is like the the butcher guy telling them it's like, this is not right. You must buy the white chocolate. Uh, listen to Santa Angel out there. Everybody just starts mistreating them here. But there are some, like the Boy Scouts, this one was kind of understandable. They're coming up and they're saying, oh, we got this great tree for you. Like, Sorry, we're not doing a tree this year. And they're just saying, it was like, well, look, we're just trying to raise some money here. And... It's kind of the way Tim Allen handles this. This one does make him come across like a bit of a dick because he's saying, it's like, oh, that's a lot of money. Where they're like, well, we're really sorry, sir, but, you know, the cost has gone up. We're actually making less per tree. And I start to feel bad for these Boy Scouts here. So these guys are probably the only ones in the movie where later on where they come up, I'm like, yeah, you give it to them. You jack up the price of that little, <laughs> you know, twig that you're selling them. Um, but, yeah, there's just this whole sequence of, you know, the people giving them the cold shoulder now. Uh, we get introduced to Frohmeyer, which is Dan Aykroyd, the neighbor, which I love Dan Aykroyd, but like his character makes absolutely no sense in this movie. And it's only because it's Dan Aykroyd that I think I love him. Uh, but there are a couple of funny Ghostbusters references here. I don't know if you caught them. Did you catch any Ghostbusters references? There's at least two of them. Uh, look, my Ghostbusters, I've, I've not seen them in a long time. I mean, I like them, but I just, I'm not as knowledgeable on them as some. Get off my podcast! <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk. There's um, a few Dan Aykroyd movies that I really, really like. That I mean, I like Ghostbusters. I'm not saying I don't. I like Ghostbusters two more than Ghostbusters one. Is that normal? Um, but I'll talk about Dan Aykroyd when he gets me. Yeah. Uh, well, really, the setup here is that it's decoration day, and everybody's decorating, and you know he's kind of not putting the stuff on his tree, and words getting around, and Fromar. I do love the reveal they have of him. Where they're coming up, it's almost like whispering in his ears. Guess who's not decorating their house? And he just turns around, and dun dun dun. It's like Dan Aykroyd has the most giant head I have ever seen <laughs> on a small screen. Like 
I was watching it here, and I felt like I was watching on IMAX. It's just an, it's an incredible sight, really. Uh, but there's a funny moment where they're looking out them in the yard and everything, and uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is talking about, oh, it's Fromeyer or whatever, and then uh, you know he he must be like the leader of the block or whatever, and Tim Allen says something like Fromeyer, who's he gonna call? And that was kind of like ghost, oh, you know, it was okay. meant right. reference there. Of course, didn't over didn't. Yeah, it didn't really go over well when I saw it in the theater. In fact, I don't think I really heard any big laughs when I saw this you know, on opening weekend. Um, but I still think that when there's another one coming up, which most people won't get. There's a real weird pacing in this movie. And I definitely like the chemistry. And we talked about how good Tim Allen's chemistry is with the people he works with. And it's definitely there with Jamie Lee Curtis. And it's definitely there with Dan Aykroyd. And there's a couple of characters you see in this movie here who are like we said of Benny, you know, the his friend who drives the truck uh, when they first get into Santa Slay and Home Improvement or in Santa Claus, from, a guy from Home Improvement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a lot of these little Home Improvement actors that pop up in here, and I don't know if you recognize any of them. But Dan Aykroyd was actually on a Home Improvement episode because uh, he had a TV show on at the time called Soul Man, and they did yeah. one of those crossover things. Yep. Yeah, it was like Tim Allen on Soul Man, Dan Aykroyd on Home Improvement. Uh, and obviously the chemistry is all there, but it feels like a lack of chemistry because the pacing in this movie is off. Like, I don't know if they didn't have the right timing with a lot of these jokes, but as much as I like these actors together, I kind of wish that it was better than it was. And I'm not going to blame the material. I actually just think it's, it's a weird pacing thing with the movie. There's this weird frosty fest that's going on. And, uh, you know, he doesn't want to put up his snowman on the roof, which as we find out later is probably going to kill him if he does try uh, or destroy the house. So he has a bit of a point there. Uh, and there's just a few run-ins with the neighbors here. Uh, the other character is the guy across the street, the grumpy neighbor. He's not really grumpy here, but the guy with the cat, as you mentioned, who uh, he has most of his run-ins with in this movie. And there's a fun line about uh, you know the snowballs and if there's a yellow spot on it and everything. Nothing to really make it laugh out loud. Uh, just everybody sort of shaming him and harassing him with this like free frosty chant that they start outside the door. And I honestly don't know why these people have this much time on their hands. They feel like they need to harass a man who doesn't want to put a snowman on his roof. Yeah, I kind of understand it later on. I'll kind of let you uh, dissect these characters here. But I also wanted to mention this one guy just before I let you talk about this whole uh, cranksist <laughs> agenda going on here. Um <laughs> We'll break up the whole Cranksist's uh, shaming stuff here into two sections. Uh, the guy who plays the the neighbor that he's at odds with, the old guy, uh, the the guy who married Sexy Bev, mm. uh, Walt. <laughs> this actor, M. Emmett Walsh, he's appeared in lots of different stuff. But I remember from Home Improvement because he was in tons of episodes of Home Improvement playing uh, Tim's wife's, uh, basically his father-in-law. He was Jill's dad. And he was in even one of the, probably my favorite Christmas episode where he ended up decorating a roof with Tim Allen and they just didn't get along as well. So another fun uh, character they have in here. And I actually think this guy's really good in the movie too. So there's some fun characters here that we could talk about before we move on to the good stuff, the Speedos and the bikinis. Um, anything you want to talk about here from uh, these scenes? Uh, uh, the only oh, note I really made was that at this point in the movie, just like we talked about with the Santa Claus, you could very easily edit this into a horror movie with the whole free frosting. They have this weird thing where they're sneaking around the living room, you know, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis puts her hood up just to leave her own home, which is weird. I mean, if you're trying to hide from your own neighbors, if you put a hood on and you're walking out of your house into your car and driving <laughs> your car out of your driveway, is it that much of a disguise? 
but it is just this really weird horror feel to it if it wasn't being played for laughs. The thing about this movie, I mean, you kind of summed it up when you said the first 20 minutes just sets this whole movie up. I mean, this movie is two halves. It's, hey, we're going on a cruise. We're not doing Christmas. So everybody is, you know, cranks this towards them. And surprise, sexy daughter's coming home. So we're going to do Christmas last minute. So, I mean, it's just kind of, just, that's really the, you know, the, the gist of this film. So, I mean, in terms of the story stuff here, um, it's just, I just find it just ridiculous that these people are just such assholes to them. Like, so mm-hmm. what? Like, I get that's the point of the movie. I understand that. It's done for laughs. But, look, I'm honestly sure there are communities like this in America that actually do this. Um, I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, I was, I've only been in America sort of at the beginning of December, but I've seen enough sort of Christmas stuff to realise how, you know, it, it, different it is kind of and serious it is compared to here in Australia. Um, I mean, it's... Big deal in Australia, but I, I think it, it depends on the neighbourhood you're in. Um, whereas in America, kind of everywhere I go, and I guess, you know, it's, it'd be the same as if you in Canada, because, I mean, Christmas, snow, things like that here, obviously it's the complete opposite. And actually, that's one thing I wanted to ask you. Is that like, because um, I know like through American movies, TV shows, and from what I know, like it's a big deal to have a proper Christmas tree, like a real one, because, you know. Yeah. Is that similar in Canada, and is that, like, a thing where you do the whole go buy a tree, do they come to your door? Like, is that, like, a thing in Canada as well? Um, I mean, probably not as much anymore. It could just be I don't know, but most people will go out and buy them. Like, uh, there is sort of the debate a lot of people, like, I want a real tree or whatever. But, like, we have an artificial tree because we live in apartments, and it's a fire hazard if we have a real tree. So nobody's really going to, you know, uh, complain if we don't have a real one, but definitely it is something where everybody has a tree uh even at my work i will talk about this uh a little bit now we had like a decorating competition which you know totally made me feel like tim allen in home improvement and two years in a row we've gone really elaborate last year we created our own mantle around a computer monitor that was displaying one of those fireplace videos Mm -hmm. and this year we went even bigger and we built a uh, uh out of cardboard boxes we built a giant um gingerbread house in front of a desk where it's like you walk through the door and there's the desk and we put like the fireplace inside there and everything and uh you know i i took a coat rack and you know dress it up as a tree and everything so yeah trees are definitely a big thing i don't know if it's so much a big deal with it needs to be real trees but with the decorating for sure i i was going to mention there's there's a neighborhood here uh in an area called lindenwoods here in winnipeg where there's probably four or five streets that every single house does huge decorations like this neighborhood. And they even temporarily rename the streets and they'll put like an arch over the street that says Candy Cane Lane, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Santa's Avenue and stuff like that, you know, uh, Elf uh, Way. And every single house is like this. So that's where I can kind of, where at the time this movie came out, I didn't see a lot of stuff like that. Now I can kind of understand why maybe these people would be upset hey, he's the only house on the street not decorating. It makes us look stupid. But they don't explain it that way in the movie. They're just like, how could he not put Frosty up? Yeah. And it's the- blasphemous. But you've Maybe also- Jesus has Frosty up. <laughs> but, like, I mean, what happens if, like, a-, a Muslim family moves into this street? Or, like, exactly. you know, Jewish family? or th- I know we kind of get a little joke of that sort of later on yeah. with the carolers. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird kind of... I-, I mean, I was in Salt Lake City, I think end of it was around it was christmas because it was all christmas stuff but like you know one of the the times i got to like actually experience what it would be like i guess for north americans kind of with that whole thing we were in this like outdoor mall area this 
amazing tree. It was snowing. They were playing like Christmas carols. And like, it just, to me, I'm like, so this is what it's like. Like, this is what it feels like to, you know, white Christmas, that feel. Um, and when I was also there, I was actually, it was a night, uh, I was with Nalia from Survive, because it's the night I stayed at her house. We were working on her, like a corn dog stand, and there was this area where we were at on this lake area. Funnily enough, there's a lake in the Salt Lake City area. Um, and you like paid like, I don't know, five bucks. And you drove through this like huge field, and they'd done it all up with Christmas lights and houses. It was amazing. It was like just spectacular. Um, and like here, it's kind of, yeah, like in Hobart, like we have houses with lights, but they're never as elaborate and amazing as I saw in America. I mean, we'll have some neighborhoods who do it, and that's what I'll do tonight on Christmas Eve. I'll drive around and look at Christmas lights. It's just like a tradition that we've had in our family. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting. I love watching these sort of movies and just seeing how it is. Because, I mean, I, I love Christmas. I, I've always loved Christmas. I mean, it's been a bit different in the last few years, but um, it's always been my favorite time of the year. And for Australians as well, it's a case of we don't um, have anything else besides Christmas. Like, I mean, you guys obviously in Canada have your Canadian Thanksgiving. Americans have Thanksgiving. So you've kind of got these two things that you have sort of near each other where you have your family and all that get together. Whereas for us, it's just Christmas. This is all it is for Australians. So... Um, you know, a lot of people like to go out of their way with it. But uh, anyway, I was going to say about the trees. Um, it's kind of like a fake tree thing in Australia. You can get real trees. I remember a couple of times my mum was like, we're going to get a real tree. But the type of sort of Christmas trees are not that easy to find in Australia, particularly at this time of year. So, um, yeah, it's kind of not a big thing here to get real trees, but that's my story. Anyway, um, so I just love how people are just shaming these, uh, poor, I feel so sorry for them. Um, yeah, well, I, especially I'm, in the next scene, well, it'll be fun. But I, I just want to say in the characters, and you've sent me these photos of trees. Yeah. What is that one? <laughs> I was at a hat rack, is it? I'm like, that is the weirdest looking yeah. Christmas tree I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I see what you've done that's, there. That was just my office, so that's ah. what we for boxes and dollar store I like decorations. That, I like that, um, the fireplace one that you said. That's funny. Um, yeah, so, like, I've got to say, Felicity, I, I, am I weird to think that she's very attractive, or am I just normal? Help me out here. You know, you know what's funny? When I was younger, I would have said, yeah, that's really weird, because I know I've never seen the TV show Desperate Housewives, um, but... There was some other show that she was on prior to that. It was like a really great comedy show. Oh, um, the, trying to remember. Yeah. Um, oh, not the news. She was on Sports Night. Sports Night. Yeah, I knew it was something to do with yeah. news. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that was um, uh, Sports Night was also Aaron Sorkin, like before he did The West Wing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember seeing her on Sports Night. She was younger then. And I just remember, you know, thinking, nah, not really. But. Now, I, like, I I watch this movie, I'm like, I could totally get it. Yeah, she's not bad. I just, like, I like out of all the four Desperate Housewives, like, obviously, Eva Longoria was meant to be the sexy one. Terry Hatcher mm-hmm. was, you know, meant to be number two. Uh, and then kind of you had Marsha Cross and, and Felicity Huffman as kind of like the homely sort of women. But, like, <laughs> I always found Felicity Huffman, like, the most attractive. I don't know. I could never, like, my mum would be like, really? Because my mum and I would watch it, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about her. Like, I just... I like her. <laughs> I really like yeah. Felicity Huffman. She's she's hot. <laughs> like, um, and can I just say, congratulations, Felicity Huffman and William H Macy. They've been married for like ever. So good on you two for being married that long. So I love Felicity Huffman. And just a, a weird observation here. You know, we talk about w- what would this movie have been called if Ben Affleck's career hadn't tanked. <laughs> um, this movie came out in two thousand four. Desperate Housewives debuted when two thousand four. 
So if this movie had been made a year later, do you think there's any chance she signs on for basically a best friend cameo role in Christmas with the Cranks? No. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, not a chance. You look at her... I mean, before this, she was in Raising Helen. Oh, the esteemed Raising Helen. I mean... Oh, <laughs> Her film credits, I mean, she was in Magnolia, but, like, she did, um, pretty much her next film after this was her Academy Award nominated, nominated role Transamerica, uh, which yeah. is amazing. That is, like, she's incredible in that But you film. also found her to be strangely attractive. <laughs> when she got the penis out, I was like, wow, what's, what's going on here? Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I think they would have been completely different. Um, 20 years she's been married to William H. Macy. Congratulations, Felicity. That's that's incredible. Um, and also, the other woman here, though, were you ever a Sabrina the Teenage Witch fan at all, Colin? No. No? <laughs> of course you weren't. That's a stupid question to ask. Um, <laughs> Carolyn Ray. She also, uh, when Rosie O'Donnell left her Rosie O'Donnell talk show, she took over as that. Um... Yeah, I remember that. Because what were we? Oh, we were doing our Lost episodes. The other aunt from um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is um, Kate's mum in Lost. So they both went on to find some sort of whatever. Anyway, so I randomly the card guys are the illustrious careers of the aunts of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> hey, they've gone on to do more things than what was her name? Melissa Joan. She got fat, didn't she? Um, what? Melissa Joan Hart was that? Is that Sabrina? That's the one shaming. No, well, I'm not meaning like it happens. I got fat too, fatter. So you know. <laughs> I think she, like, went on to be, like, the biggest... She lost a lot of weight. She, I don't know. Whatever. Hello, Melissa Joan Hart. If you, you probably are, because you haven't done anything in 20 years. You probably just... Yeah. You were in a Britney Spears <laughs> film clip and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and what have you done since? Um, but this card guy is a dick. Like, this... Oh, yeah. you're, not, you're not getting any cards this year? Like, fuck off, mate. Like, just... And you know what? Another perfect example. They said, we're not doing it this year. He just flushed his business down the toilet for one year's worth of cards. Like, do you think if she planned to come back next year, she ever would? Yeah, I mean, I just... Exactly. Bad customer service. And this is the thing that I keep needing to reiterate. Like, this is only for one year. They're not quitting on Christmas forever. Like, let them have a holiday. Are you going to go off at Bev and other man because they're taking the cruise? Like, I mean, it's... Or they didn't attend the Christmas party? Exactly. Um, but the, the, the neighborhood, like the one thing I'll say about, um, Walt is like, it's built up like these two hate each other. Cause that's kind of the big conclusion, the big nice gesture that, um, you know, Luther will do. Do you ever really feel that these two really hate each other? Like, no. it's kind of like, it's played just so subtly that when we get this big thing at the end, I'm thinking like, oh, is this meant to be like the big rivalry? Like they really hate each other. You know, it's kind of. I never feel that they hate... It's kind of like, you know, Ned and Scott in the Santa Claus. Like, that's more of a, like, they're at each other's throats. And, like, you can kind of, you know, the payoff at the end it's when... Ned. Like, uh, uh, Neil. Yeah, I'm doing it again. <laughs> Characters, I don't know, these people. I pretend I know who I'm talking about. Neil. Judge Reinhold. Um, but, yeah, I never feel that these two are really at each other's throats. So, that's kind of... That, that puts me off slightly. I like... Um, I don't know if you ever watched Malcolm in the Middle, but I like Eric Per Sullivan. Um, yeah. Because, you know, random. I mean, that was 2004. That was still a pretty big show back then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. So, And if you watch the trailers, it's really interesting to watch the trailers for this movie and see just how much they feature Eric Per Sullivan in the trailer because he was, like, that show was so big and he was so popular on that show at the time. Has he done anything since? I'm looking here. He hasn't been in anything since 2010, at least according to Wikipedia. I'm not looking at IMDb, but... um. 
Yeah, anyway. When Malcolm in the Middle, which ended 12 years ago, is the fourth most recent thing on his filmography, he's not that busy. Yeah, no, even on IMDb, he has not acted since 2010. So, um, clearly, Eric Per Sullivan went on to great things in Hollywood. Um, but Dan Aykroyd, yeah, I love Dan Aykroyd. And um, I guess kind of my, yeah, I mean, he's been in everything. I, again, I like Ghostbusters. I just, I've just not watched it in a long time. Um, I'm a big My Girl fan. That was kind of like a childhood movie mm-hmm. that I used to watch a lot, and like him and Jamie Lee Curtis. And I know they were in. Uh, is it Trading oh. Places as well? They were in that yeah. too, weren't you they? You know, what? it's so funny because though they're both so famous for doing those two movies together, and yet it's been what 14 years since this movie came out, almost mm. well 13 years. There's our math again. I never piece together Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. And part of the reason is they don't really interact in this no, movie. It's yeah. all him and Tim Allen. Mm. That was kind of like that one, kind of a waste too. Well, that was kind of like one of the random things that I first of all noticed. I'm like, hey, my girl, you know, like we should do those mm. films. That, they, those films are great. They always make me cry though. I think they meant to. Yeah. Um, Anna Chomsky, I like loved her growing up, but she like went away for a while. But she's isn't she in like the the Americans or something? Or she's in some TV show now? No, she's in the um, Veep. I think she's like, uh, she's in Veep, isn't she? I've never seen Veep. Uh, me so neither. I'll say yes. <laughs> I, I think I looked her up once, and she still looks very, she's a very beautiful woman, Anna Chomsky. Anna Chomsky month, coming soon to the, pff, that's a short month. Um, but yeah, I love Dan Aykroyd. And like, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Evolution. Was that around 2001? Yeah. That was before this, wasn't it? So Yeah, it was a few years before it. I'm going to fat shame Dan Aykroyd here. He beefed it up around 2001, but he's lost it again come 2004. So, um, go down. Except for in the head, apparently. <laughs> yeah, he's got a weird head. Is he still acting? I feel like I haven't seen Dan Aykroyd in a while. Oh, uh, well, I mean, didn't he, did he have a cameo in the new Ghostbusters movie? I haven't seen the new Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> I think he did, yeah. Uh, I mean... Looking through his filmography, he had a cameo in Ghostbusters, a cameo in Pixels. It looks like he's mostly gone to cameos at this point. I mean, it's it's weird for me to even think. I think the last major movie he had was probably um, the, Yo- the doing the voice in the Yogi Bear movie, mm-hmm. and that was like 2010. But here in Canada, it's weird to even say, well, is he still doing anything? Because he's just one of these guys who's like such a national treasure here in Canada that like. You know, Dan Aykroyd, it doesn't matter. He could never act for the rest of his life. In 20 years from now, people will still be like, Dan Aykroyd, the biggest star. And everybody wants to meet Dan Aykroyd if he shows up at a Comic-Con or something. That's like here, uh, I don't know, Paul Hogan. That's probably it. Like, I don't know when the last time you guys would have heard of Paul Hogan, but he's still always here. Yeah. Um, it's funny with Guy Pierce because he was like big here, went to America, was big, then kind of came back here, and then he's kind of just floats around America. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he just, he's yeah. just kind of there, but then he's not. Um, he likes to dive back and forth between American and Australian movies. Yeah, and I remember in our John Hensley interview that we did recently, he was talking about Julian McMahon, and he's like, oh, is Julian McMahon a big deal in Australia? And I'm like, not really. Like, he's kind of like one of these <laughs> ones that, when Nip Tuck was on, sure, but, like, he hasn't really done anything. There's an Australian movie that's coming out next year, which I really want to cover, because it's got Julian McMahon, it's got Kylie Minogue in it. Uh, it's actually got Guy Pearce in it, too. Uh, it's, like, a set in the 70s. It's, like, about swingers on the beach. It looks hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, anyway, Julian McMahon, I love that man, because he's Christian Troy, one of my favourite characters in TV history. Anyway, so, uh, Dan Aykroyd is great. Uh, <laughs> even though, yeah, his character is kind of pointless. What is it? What do they say? Like the warden of the street or like whatever the hell yeah, it is? Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, I think kind of I've gone on too much here about this, but, uh, well, I've written here the line with the- We're almost in an hour. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was the, the line when, uh, they'd got the tree and somebody says, Mrs. Crank likes the big ones? 
I've written that down. Oh, I didn't catch that. Anyway. That's Okay, it. anyways. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so here comes, I guess, the scene where it just go, all goes so wrong. Uh, he's going to have them go tanning, and uh, we see Tim Allen in a Speedo. We see Jamie Lee Curtis in a bikini. And uh, there's there's a fun line during this where um, uh, they say you kind of look like uncooked chicken. <laughs> do we really need to do this? You kind of look like uncooked chicken. Uh, when she comes out of the tanning booth or whatever, and she's just wearing absolutely nothing, they run across their uh, their priest, uh, played by Tom Poston, who's... Um, uh, I, I never saw the show until I was much older, but I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show Newhart. I'm guessing that was Bob Newhart's show. <laughs> it was one of them. Show. I mean, he's absolutely hilarious. I saw some of those episodes, like, probably only about 10 years ago, maybe. So, I mean, it was well past my time. But he also appeared as well on several Home Improvement episodes where uh, he would play a different character each time. And it was like, it was always like the funniest guest star they would ever have. And then he'd come on and play the brother of his original character. And you probably remember uh, one of them was a Christmas episode they had. I don't know if you remembered it, where uh, Tim and Al were on an airplane and they ended up landing and being stuck during a blizzard at this airport in the middle of nowhere in some small town. And the desk clerk was just like the weirdest guy ever where he was like the I ticket agree. counter. He was the insurance guy. Yeah. He ran the hotel and he just kept turning his nameplate around. It's like, we want to speak to, you know, your better business bureau. And he's like, go ahead. And they just turned on the nameplate and this guy's the better business bureau. Uh, but yeah, the, the priest, another one of Tim Allen favorites here. Uh, it's kind of a funny scene, but <laughs> What are we supposed to think as an audience when they snap a picture and this ends up as front page of the newspaper mm. that they're skipping Christmas and they use the skipping Christmas term here, showing them in Speedos and bikinis is just so wrong because I don't think even a dumb audience <laughs> watching this dumb movie is going to watch this and think it's okay. Like, did they get their permission to put their pictures in the paper? And shame well, them for skipping Christmas? It, de- it depends on the newspaper when it comes to those things. I can tell you about the legalities yeah. about that. But um, the thing that's kind of like I, I keep picturing about this movie, that, like, everyone's so just, like, shameful of this in this community. So, like, can we just imagine if, like, they got so shitty of this. Like, they're like, fuck it, we're moving out of this neighbourhood. We're going somewhere else. And then, like, you and Jamie move in. Do they, like, knock on your door on day one? So what do you do at Christmas time? How do you celebrate it? Are you going to put a frosty up? Are you going to do this? Like, Jesus Christ, this should be like a movie about, like, the the neighbours from hell or something along those lines. Yeah, and you know, I I mean, I I don't work in, like, a huge workplace with hundreds of people like I used to, but even in a workplace of like 50 people, I probably run across several people. It's like, you know, I don't do anything to do with Christmas. It's just too much for me. I'm like, okay, whatever. And I understand some things change the longer time goes on. But this was the 13 years ago. It's not that long ago. And what's weird about this movie is that if it were just this street, the street I can defend because this is like a street pride thing. They, they decorate. And if they've been doing it every year, maybe this is a competition thing. They lose. We even see that big reveal on the end with all the Frosties. But uh, – uh, and the winking ones, too. <laughs> but uh, the neighborhood thing, I can understand. The workplace thing, maybe understand, because, you know, this could be like a workplace that, well, everybody knows him there, and he gives out, maybe he's not giving Christmas bonuses or something. But the fact that this entire, this is the city's newspaper, and when we see that wide shot in the end with Blinking Snowman, we see this a pretty, ugh, no editing again, sorry, people. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I think it's just a community. 
I think it's just a community newspaper, though, because that's, like, just, like, um, like when I worked at a little one for a small town, it was just called the Gazette, so it's kind of, like, within that... Like, that's not the Chicago Tribune or anything like that. That's just, like, their neighbourhood little newspaper. Well, but even still, I mean, they're at the mall, they're taking pictures of his house. Like, this is an invasion of privacy. It's just... It's, it's gotten to this weird level now where it's everybody's business, and, you know, every person in the world celebrates Christmas. And I remember when this came out... And I didn't really agree with all the critics' reviews, even though I didn't love the movie. But I think it was Roger Ebert who made a comment about this, that he says, this movie exists in some weird universe where every single person celebrates Christmas, but nobody mentions anything about Jesus. Nobody mentions anything about Santa. It's this weird universe where Christmas only exists to eat and decorate houses with snowmen. (laughs) And that's all Christmas is to people. So we don't really even get a Christmas spirit out of this movie, which the more I think about it is kind of a weird thing about it. It's just it's like bully people into decorating. Uh, there's a few other characters here, and we get Cheech Marin and Jake Busey. What a weird, crazy combination this is. Uh, and Jake Busey, the son of Gary Busey. I mean, <laughs> this movie would have been incredible to see Gary Busey in, too, but <laughs> I guess we'll settle for his son, Jake. Uh, this is another one of those I don't really understand. They're going around collecting money for their charity thing, and you know they're giving away their calendar, which has Jake Busey shirtless, which... Uh, I don't know, maybe even if Cheech Marin was shirtless, we could have gotten Jamie on this episode, but uh, <laughs> nobody actually was shirtless other than Tim Allen in here, which we already discussed in the other episode. But these guys are like, they basically start flaunting their powers of police. Like, this is police abuse here from this point on in the movie because the guy wouldn't pay for a calendar of Jake Busey shirtless, which, again, is so weird. Um they're kind of fun characters, though, because I, I do think in a weird way that maybe because they can play off of each other, Cheech Marin and Jake Busey have a bit of chemistry that we're kind of lacking with some of the other characters. And they I think they're the ones that have the lines like, what, are they Jewish or something? Buddhist? Um, some of the humor is just all flat here, though. I think that's another complaint I have. It's just there's not enough big moments. The part where they're doing the hand signals, I thought this was early in the movie, but this is it here where they're doing the hand signals, like Navy SEAL style, <laughs> across the floor. It's really amusing, and this is where the movie takes a bit of a turn for me, like where I said in the beginning. is Even though it's not laugh-out-loud funny, everything about it is amusing. And it is amusing to see them giving these Navy SEAL signals so they can get across their own floor. Um, the free Frosty chant start up here, which is really weird. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis reads The Grinch Story. We're going to breeze through some of the stuff here because to get to the really good stuff, <laughs> my favorite part of the movie... And yeah, it it makes no sense that she's doing this because his ideas were going to skip Christmas completely. He settles for the charitable donations. But then we see that she's donating her time to this hospital charity and reading a Christmas story, and they never address it in the movie. Uh, When he shows up and he's got the Botox. Like, this this is the funniest part of the movie by far. (laughs) Oh, And, And you know what the funny thing is? It's the scene that I think gets the most criticism for just being so dumb. But like you pointed out, the movie is supposed to be dumb. And it's just the fact that the humor works here in a way that it wasn't working in the prior scenes that I really love. And it's just Tim Allen's delivery. You know, he looks ridiculous for one, but it's the way he plays it when he's trying to eat. And the food just keeps repeatedly falling out of his mouth. But it's just the physical humor. The the brilliance of Tim Allen's physical humor is so overlooked. Uh, the, the part where uh, I like the best is where he can't get it to stay in his mouth. So he tilts his head upwards and yeah. he's just trying to chew it with his head, his face pointed up to the ceiling. And then when he takes the water, it just dribbles all over. <laughs> just think about it now. It's cracking me up. And the, uh, this movie's been missing a bit of that. So 
Uh, we'll kind of leave it off there. It was the first, like, real laugh-out-loud moment of the movie when he's stabbing his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good scene, and yet... I remember seeing this in the trailer, and I kind of expected, knowing it was John Grisham thing, and I mentioned when I heard Tim Allen, Jamie Lee Curtis, it's probably going to be more of a you know typical Christmas comedy. But I still thought of this, you know, John Grisham. What would a John Grisham comedy be like? And thought it would be maybe a little bit more serious. And this scene in the trailer made me go, "Oh, I don't know if this is going to be so good." But somehow in the movie, it just plays so much better than it really should have. Yeah. I, I love it. It's like, I was the same, just cracking up laughing. And I didn't, I said, no, I did. I'll, I'll tell a lie. I did actually watch the trailer before I watched this. Um, and I, I used to do that a lot, but I kind of don't do it anymore now just to not be spoiled. And to me, I'm like, this is going to be one of those movies you watch the trailer, you kind of watch the whole film. And that's kind of true. Um, but yeah, this, this is hilarious. I just love it. And just how he looks too. <laughs> Just like he's just not moving. Um, and you know what's funny about Botox is that, like, I, I, one of my friends, she got Botox once and, like, I could not tell the difference. And she's like, how can you not tell? And I'm like, um, because I can't. Like, I just, yeah. to, to me, it just puts me off seeing all these things in, like, movies and TV shows with Botox and just, you know, whatever. I'm never getting Botox. Would Jamie, does Jamie get Botox? I'm not saying she needs it, but, like, does Jamie, one of these people who wants Botox? No. No, not at all. Are you um, one of these people who wants Botox? You know what? I am, I am like, so filled with Botox right now, you'd never be able to tell us to join this podcast. No, I honestly... I don't even have a full understanding of what Botox is, to be perfectly honest. Oh, like, I, I know more about Botox for watching Tim Allen and Christmas with the Cranks than I would know from anything else. What's Nip Tuck? It's uh, <laughs> like in the very first episode. Um, anyway, but yeah, um, whatever, Botox. I like the bit like with um, the bikinis and the Speedos and the tanning one and that bitch woman behind the counter who's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, what is that? Like, don't look at her eyes. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> Um, but like, I love that bit because he's like, you know, we need to be tanned for the cruise. It's like, aren't we, isn't that the point of going? Like, I don't, I, I know people who do that. They go and get a tan before they go like on a holiday at a beach. It's like, well, like, that's what you're there for. Um, but it's weird kind of like in these movies because like, you know, Jamie, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is a very attractive woman. Um, mm. and it's, I've never been able to look at it that way though, because when she like in what, a couple of years after this, like freaky Friday, Jamie Lee Curtis, when she's got that short gray hair, um, spinning image of my mum and it just like it just was like great now i can never watch trading places again or you know true lies uh, you know to see oh you must have a blast with scream queens then <laughs> oh, i love scream queens but yeah no i can't i can't deal with it but this is the thing like i like, don't mom doing it's half your age i need to i need to send you a photo of like there's there's a, i've got heaps of photos of my mum where she just looks and i used to always say that to my mum I'm like, Mum, you either look like Jamie Lee Curtis or she'd go off of me because you wouldn't know who this is. Just Google Kevin Rudd, a former Prime Minister of Australia and a man. Because there was one time she, like, came in and said goodnight to me. So she's wearing these glasses. I'm like, Mum, you look like Kevin Rudd. And she's like... Oh. <laughs> it was a dick move on my behalf. But she did. She looked like Kevin Rudd. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but, you know, she's still, you know, she's a bit chunky but she still pulls off that bikini all right so you know good on you jamie (laughs) i don't know where i'm going with this um i love can we do screen queens it only went for like two seasons oh 
Um, yeah, I thought that'd be a show you no. wouldn't like. I would assume you wouldn't like Scream no. Queens. No, I love that show. Uh, who was your favorite character? Um, oh man, I I actually do have to say I hate John Stamos, but there's something about John Stamos what? with the killer hand and the second one that was hilarious. How can you hate John uh, Stamos? Oh, you hate Full House. Never mind. Stupid question. Yeah, but <laughs> the guy who played uh, the I can't remember the character's name now, but he was the boyfriend of. Um, uh, Emma Roberts uh, in the, uh, the first one. Yeah, yeah. And he had a camp on the second. That guy is like my fictional hero. He is just so, so extreme douchey, but just in the most <laughs> hilarious way. Like, uh, Jamie will remember the name of the character. The, the guy on Scream Queens, I like. What's his name? He was shirtless in lots of scenes. He was shirtless in a lot of scenes. Hot doctor. <laughs> Hot character, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. But that, yeah. The, <laughs> Easily one of my favorite characters in TV history, but yeah, I don't. You kind of gasped when I said, "Is it because I didn't like John Stamos, or because I actually liked him in Screen Queens?" Uh, but, well, no, because you said you didn't like John Stamos, but then I remember you hate Full House, yeah. so I guess if you hate Full House, exactly. you hate John Stamos. Yeah. So I love John Stamos, Kirstie Alley as well, like Brooke Shields, like oh god, what a show! Uh, Ryan Murphy, another <laughs> just a genius. I I am gonna marry Ryan Murphy one day, and I know he's already married, but like I love that man. Um. Anyway, uh, what are we... Is, am I talking here, or it's like, what... I don't yeah, know what well, we're up to. Yeah, well, do you have anything to add on? Oh, uh, yeah, no, look, I like this... Yeah, I don't really have anything. I mean, I, I love the... Yeah, the Botox stuff. I went over that. Um, I like that bit when, like... Uh, is, 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 have we covered where Jamie Lee Curtis is on the phone, and she's like, oh, my God, they're outside, they're chanting. She hides under the yeah. blanket. Like, <laughs> the thing I like about Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie, like, her character's, like, even, I guess, dumber than Tim Allen's in many ways, but I just love the way Jamie Lee Curtis plays her. Like, she just looks like she's having fun playing this over-the-top sort of slapstick character. And I'm not saying Tim Allen doesn't. Like, I think Tim Allen... There are moments I feel that Tim Allen's kind of just, like, doing it for the money, but he also, like, looks like he's doing, you know... Like he's best, but Jamie Lee Curtis just looks like she's having fun, and yeah, I don't know. I just I, I said at the beginning, I really like the cast in this movie at least, so uh, I enjoy kind of those silly little scenes. So where she's hiding under the blanket, like, here. Um, yeah. Um, just before we get to, I guess the last two sections here is really the second half of the movie. You know, uh, we can't go on the cruise; we have to pull off this Christmas miracle. I just want to point out something interesting here in relation to a past episode. Been listening to us all week here. Uh, we mentioned uh, Wendy Crewson, who played Tim Allen's ex-wife in the Santa Claus movies, and you even pointed out, like, the woman's 61 years old. She looks spectacular for 61 right now. Uh, Elizabeth Franz, who plays sexy Betty uh, <laughs> Grandma here, was 62 years old when she filmed Christmas with the Cranks. What? One year older than Wendy Crewson is now. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. She and let's just say, older. they both look they both look great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're comparing it to Wendy Crewson, you- uh- <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, this is. I hope people are taking me seriously. I'm like, that's Colin's type. <laughs> Here I am. I'm like, you're you're mentioning like the daughter, and I'm like, eh, she's all right. And I'm like, yeah, you hate old Debbie. people. Oh, <laughs> oh old Jamie people just like, came. I mean, sneeze. Sorry, didn't we establish that's what it John really meant? John Stamos was on. So. John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> Can you ask Jamie right yeah. now? Does she like John Stamos? Jamie, do you like John Stamos? Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Oh. Yeah, Jamie. You and I could do an episode on John Stamos. I nearly interviewed she John called- Stamos. True story. 
Oh, I feel sorry for you. Like, that's the best you can get. I it's not Tim Allen. I love House, and then, like, I absolutely... <laughs> he was on ER for, like, three seasons as well. Leave John Stamos alone. ER stopped being good, like, ten seasons before he was oh, on ER. Oh, ER stopped being good in season 13, about when he joined. But, like, it still was okay for the last three seasons. <laughs> you go back to Veronica's closet, Ben. Hey, if we're going to cover that, then I will gladly do it. You leave Kirstie Alley alone. She liked a tweet <laughs> I sent her, so you leave I her just- out of this. I'm finding you have this weird thing for motherly, you know, characters from the 90s. You're like Felicity Huffman, yes. Kirstie Alley. Brooke Shields. Don't forget Brooke Shields. Don't tell me you don't like Brooke, Brooke Shields, Shields, too. No, no, I can't oh, stand her. What's wrong with Brooke Shields? No one dislikes Brooke Shields. Oh, Susan, oh. Have you seen the Blue Lagoon movie? Why do I look like somebody who's seen the Blue Lagoon? <laughs> You don't look like somebody's seen Scream Queens, but you've seen it. Brooke <laughs> uh, Shields month not coming to the Oz Network. Oh, we're talking um, about her on Nip Tuck at the moment. Said, She's great. Though, <laughs> as we said, those middle-aged, you know, 90s women TV shows, Carolyn in the City, that one we can cover. That oh, one yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, that's that's good. And what about the, what about Ellen? Uh, <laughs> no. You don't like She's her. not oh, my type. I you don't like Ellen. Oh, okay. You're the one person who doesn't like Ellen. Who doesn't like Ellen? What's wrong with you? It's just nauseatingly nice. It's just stupid. Oh, oh right. You like the dick, so, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you like me. Yeah. Uh, so, Blair's coming home for Christmas with uh, Arike. Uh, <laughs> Mom thinks it is. Which, that's kind of funny, the whole mispronunciation. I got two laughs. Out of this movie with Enrique jokes here. Uh, but yeah, here's Ben's favorite uh, daughter, which uh, I just realized the, the actress that plays the daughter here, Julie Gonzalo, uh, you wouldn't guess in this movie when she's blonde, but like she's from Argentina. So I don't know, I guess her being in Peru, I, I, I thought that, you know, she looked like the outcast. But when you actually see her without the blonde hair, you kind of get like, you know, a South American uh, vibe from her, but much better without the blonde hair. I'll just say that. I looked it and, up. I, I'm not going to deny I didn't Google her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Repeatedly as you watch Christmas of the Cranks for the first time. <laughs> Did you Google Enrique here? Uh, sure. I mean, I'm Jamie now, apparently. <laughs> Jamie did. Uh, Rene Levan from Cuba. Oh, the this guy's Rene Levan. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Uh, he was in Dirty Dancing, Havana Night, superior oh. to Dirty Dancing with Patrick Stop Swayze. Stop saying that. Uh, like, I'm going to do what you did the other day. Stop mentioning Titanic! Like, stop mentioning Dirty I'm Dancing! Mentioning... <laughs> no more Dirty Dancing ever! I have to talk about this in two hours! Let's talk about Christmas and the Cranks! You're ruining Christmas! No more Dirty Dancing! No more Titanic! No more Sidley Susan! <laughs> hey, now come on. Um, yeah, we're getting really worked up here about stuff that has nothing to do with this movie. Merry Christmas, Let's get back to the everybody. movie. But... Enrique, I, again, I'll, I'll mention later in the movie, just I like the idea of the Enrique character, but just that Tim Allen has no clue. This must be such a dad thing where it's like, don't you remember? You know, he he went to school with me, met him at the dorm several times, and the mom's like, oh, yeah, such a nice, good-looking boy. And he's like, uh, who's this again? It's like, dad, you know, you met him several times. What's Enrique? And when she says Enrique, <laughs> what's Enrique? Which the second joke on that's even yeah, better. is that the airport one? Yeah, I think Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I love, though, when he says he's Peruvian. is a great, a communist. Yeah. <laughs> so the movie has some good moments here. 
And uh, we find out they're engaged. Um, This is where they have to pull off the the Christmas miracle, which is let's put this together. Because when they said, you know, you guys are having your party, right? And Tim On's like mouthing, no, no, no. And Jamie Lee Curtis is like, yeah, of course we are. Come on down. And they have this movie is like day of basically. So they have a matter of hours or maybe, uh, you know, eight hours tops to pull off this miracle. And, of course, they start to do it all themselves. Jamie Lee Curtis is going to go shopping. Uh, Tim Allen needs to get the tree. First thing here, and this is the one where uh, I kind of understand the kids, where he shows up to get the tree. And they're legitimately out of trees. So this isn't like where Cheech Marin and Jake Busey later on is like, now you want the police to say, bet you wish you'd bought that calendar now. Uh, (laughs) These little Boy Scouts here are awesome because they totally con Tim Allen, and they're totally ripping him off. they got one tree left in the lot here. And it looks worse than the Charlie Brown tree. <laughs> and they charge $75 for it, which, let's be fair, they knock the price down significantly here. This is like a 10 15% discount from uh, what they were going to charge them originally. Uh, so they're still you know, losing money on this, as they said. Um, and it is kind of, I guess, one of those amuse- not funny but amusing moments where he desperately takes his tree because he needs something, straps it to his roof. Drives home. When he gets home, all the needles are blown off the tree, and we just have just the trunk left and a few branches. Uh, but what he had eventually has to do with the tree is he strikes his deal with the one neighbor who's not going to be her, who still went out of his way to put on incredible decorations for his house, leaves to go to his in-laws for Christmas, and then if you watch the rest of the movie, leaves the lights on on his house the entire time. <laughs> I don't want to see this guy's hydro bill. It's got to be ridiculous. The only black uh, people in this neighborhood, too, by the way. I've been to Chicago. That's not an accurate re- representation <laughs> of Chicago. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I guess we see the party. I was going to say, well, of the neighbors we see, but we see the entire neighborhood in the party later on, so I guess it's true. Uh, so the deal they strike is that, let me borrow your tree, and here's where the kids are doing another one of their free, frosty terrorism acts here, which is... <laughs> Actually, really terrifying if they were actually doing this. And he tackles little Spike to the ground here, um, which there's another, again, kind of amusing line here where he's saying to Spike, it's like, you owe me. And he, the kid legitimately goes, all I got is a 20. Yeah, like, like he thinks that. that this old man is tackling him and holding him up. Uh, so they have this plan to get the tree. While they're doing this, Jamie Lee Curtis is shopping for her ham. Which I found absolutely disgusting that when they talk about this ham the entire movie, it turns out that it's just a canned ham, which has got to be absolutely disgusting. It's spam, yeah. Have you had and spam this is before? What the water was. I've had spam, yeah. I used to eat spam. I mean, spam was like, you know, cheap dinner. We got nothing else. Here, have a slice of spam and some craft dinner, you know? I'm too lazy to cook or something. <laughs> have some spam and craft dinner. <laughs> I will say, though, like, there are two cheap meats that, you know, if, if you got nothing else better to do, oh, we got a can of Spam in the cupboard. The other one we have is called Click. Do you have Click? No. Is that the Adam Click Sandler is... movie? No. <laughs> uh, Click is another type of meat, and I don't know. Uh, I'm going to look it up here because uh, it might just be a Canadian thing. It's made by a company called Maple Leaf. Um going to say that's Canadian. I guess you consider it like <laughs> Spam, but it's not as gooey, and it's... Probably got a little bit, you know, more texture to it and a little bit saltier. But it's basically the same thing. It's meat in a can. But click way superior. I to, love spam. Uh, spam. I have a random love of spam. It's it's kind of good. <laughs> like, it's not the yeah. best, but I mean, it's kind of nice still. And you know what's even better than that is, did you ever eat, like, canned corned beef? 
It's the same thing. Uh, it's presented like spam, but it's corned beef. Oh, I've had many varieties of canned meats over the years. Um, remember, we used to get can. we used to get this like um, tinned chicken slices, um, which sounded nice on like the shelf. But you got it. Just, I swear it was just tuna because you it just tasted like tuna. I'm like, this is fucking tuna. This isn't chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, we're, we're going on a long tangent here yeah. on canned meat, but let's be honest, it's pretty good. Uh, canned meat Oz coming soon to yes, the Oz please. Network. Yes, please. I love, like, you know, good old spam. I also want to point out how incredibly unhealthy and how fat should Blair be when we find out her favorite foods are basically giant honey-glazed spam <laughs> and caramel-creamed pie. Like, she basically says, I want a sugar-cream pie for Christmas. Like, how is this woman not, a, you know, 170 pounds heavier than she oh, is right here? She could be, and I'd still like, go she, there. She'd be, 100, <laughs> she'd be 178 pounds heavier than this just by having the ham and the, the, the pie after she's this. She's having, like, but kinky it, sex with Peruvians. That's why she's, like, getting exercise yeah. <laughs> in between hand. Burning it all off with uh, a Rike. A Rike. I am Enrique. That's the... The sex and spam diet. <laughs> Very popular in Peru. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Peru. Today we have the sex and spam diet. You eat the spam, you have the sex. You eat the spam, you have the sex. <laughs> uh, we'll try that out and we'll let you know if it works, people. Wait. <laughs> oh, um, okay. This got kinky. No, not Ben and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, um, watch Casper. <laughs> Colin and I finally have found out that we love each other. Now, you people officially know that the burping earlier was just us too lazy to cut it out. Because if there's anything I would want to be cut out of the show was that last comment. Oh, wow. And it's too late Gee, to make hurts. it best of. Thanks. You're not the first person to tell me that anyway. But, you know, oh, we should have cut that out. I don't, know, I don't want people associating me with you and sex. Ew. <laughs> um, so they eventually meet at home and... Uh, I guess there's a fun scene here where Spike and Luther are transferring the tree over and saying, you know, put the, the neighbor's tree and like put the valuable ornaments on the couch and then we'll wheel the tree over. And Spike breaks this one. He goes, oh, it was nothing important. It's like, what does it say? And I was like, baby's first Christmas. <laughs> uh, and then they wheel the, the whole thing and the police officers, this is where they have that scene where like, bet you bought the calendar now because the neighbors are calling it in. Luther is robbing this man's Christmas tree. And I feel like this is something else they could have played up as a bigger joke, like straight out of the Grinch. He is robbing people of their Christmas. Do this whole paranoia. It's like, it's come true. Our, our, our worst fears are, have been realized. You know, Luther is, you know, uh, stealing Christmas. But they don't really go that far, so I don't know if the joke really plays well. But it is kind of funny when, you know, Spike just shows up at the window later. I was like, if he said that we were supposed to have the, the tree, he's right. Here's the key. And they're like, all right, let him go or whatever. After this, they meet at the house, and the tree is just awful. Let's just say it. It's just got sports decorations everywhere and popcorn and uh, what are those little, like, uh, uh, construction paper uh, wreaths and stuff like that around it. And then they find out, well, there's none of the ham because Jamie Lee Curtis had it run over in the street, so they got <laughs> smoked trout. Um, then the uh, eventual thing happens, well, let's get Frosty up on the roof. Jamie Lee Curtis is trying to get people to come to this party because nobody wants to come. And when he's getting frosty on the roof, it starts scraping his shingles off. He falls. He almost dies. This is your Tim the Toolman Taylor moment. We get this really weird moment, which doesn't really fit in the movie, where he's seeing Frosty with the burning eyes. 
and it's kind of like the Home Alone mo- movement with the furnace talking to him. It's like, Kevin, I will eat you. This is like the Frosty goes evil, a Frost, uh, Frosty from the Omen here. And when he eventually falls and almost kills himself, the neighbors are all there to see. And they decide, well, you know, we know that Luther's a jerk, even though he's done nothing wrong to anybody. Exactly. But they say, let's, yeah, let's do it for Blair, the girl who babysat our kids. <laughs> That's all it takes for all these people to give up their Christmas to save somebody else. So eventually they decide they're going to pitch in and everything here. Um, uh, I like the umbrella angel <laughs> who shows up at the house. Uh, uh, or not, it shows up the house when she's eventually trying to invite people to party. And the Umbrella Angel, a.k.a. Santa here, who's actually really, I, I kind of like this character in the movie. I think he's fun. And he just seems to know everything about her. He's getting plastered. At the, Santa's getting plastered before Christmas here. And she just invites him to the party. So the guests are starting to come together. They have to invite the neighbors. Neighbors all decide to pitch in. Uh, none of them have plans for Christmas, apparently. And they call Luther a spoiled, selfish baby for no reason whatsoever. So we're right before the climax here, but uh, Christmas is about to be saved, and Ben's probably just going to talk about Blair for about the next 10 minutes. <laughs> or want, sex and spam. I'd want more than 10 minutes with her. Um, I I will say the whole ham scene with Jamie Lee Curtis is a bit hammy. Um, it's a oh, bit, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit... That's one bit where I'm just like, oh, God, like, come on. Um, although I do kind of like the line when um, she's back home, and Luther's like, oh, did you get the the honey glaze? Don't ever mention the words honey glaze yeah. ham to me again. Um, I kind of like that bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I really have a whole lot to kind of add on, but I, I like the uh, the inept paramedic department of the suburban Chicago who are all like, yes, we'll, we'll get him. Oh, we're going to chop the rope. What? Boom! <laughs> like, all these people are, like, rescuing him. And they just, the one thing they don't want to happen happens. Um, but I mean, what is it with, you know, Tim Allen and Christmas movies and going on the roof? Uh, the roof, yeah. <laughs> he, he says that a couple of times. I noticed that in this too, that he says roof. Um, but yeah, like, I just don't get why they're being such a dick to him. Like, he's done nothing wrong. Like, it's not just them saying, well, you know, Mr. Grinch here. They say he's been a spoiled, selfish baby. Why? He hasn't. <laughs> Um, and I like, this is kind of what annoys me with, uh, with Nora, like when she kind of turns him in at the end, it's like, you're so selfish. Like, yeah. no, he's not. <laughs> like he got this holiday for you. You're stand selfish. Stand by your ma'am, Jamie Lee Curtis. God damn it. Stand by your man. Hello, mini driver. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I did, I like the, uh, the tree bit. Yeah. Like when he gets, there's no like pines on it and, um, when they're, like, getting that... Tra- what happens to the neighbour guy when he comes back? Because he's like, you know, I want that return without a single ornament, you know, destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this Christmas of the Crank sequel? Neighbours Revenge. Um, like, go- <laughs> first Christmas. You're not going to need it next year at their second Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I, I kind of randomly like this. Well, who is he? Marty. I just like this ongoing thing. Like, who's that? That's Marty. Everyone knows Marty. <laughs> it's party, and they're all asking each other. It's like, do you know him? No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know if I've got a whole lot more to to add. On, uh, well, I can talk about Blair if you want me to. Um, but I'm sure well, actually, more actually, later. I will. Actually, no, there is one thing. One thing that does annoy me with like girls of a certain age who still call their parents mummy and daddy. Like, <laughs> like if I want to hear a girl like Blair saying the word daddy, it is in a different context to what she's saying it in this movie. You wouldn't understand that, Colin. Uh, <laughs> get Jamie to to explain it to you. Um, 
Are you older than Jamie? Um, I am. Oh, okay. Well, then she works with you too. Um, but like, yeah, I, there's just something about it when she says like, "Daddy, mommy," like, and can we just? Uh, one thing I see, what I do notice about Tim Allen in this film, like. The whole thing with Nora, like, she obviously just dotes all over, loves her daughter to bits, you know, she's crying, all that sort of stuff. Does Tim Allen give a shit about his daughter? Because <laughs> it's kind of like... Oh. He, and at no point in this movie is it, like... And I don't know, they even really share many scenes together, now that I think about it. Because, like, even, like, when they're on the phone, like, don't tell her, like, tell her about the cruise, tell her about the cruise. And, I mean, all this could have been just avoided by them saying, like, oh, sorry, yeah, we're going on a cruise now, honey, so you'll have to go to, like you know, Dan Aykroyd's house for Christmas or something like yeah. that. Because even Tim Allen has a point when he says, like, he, she could have called, like, sooner. Like, yeah, you could have. Um, but anyway. You're yes. at the airport. Like. Who does that? Like, Colin, I'm going to, like, I'm going to just not tell you. I'm going to rock up to Winnipeg on Saturday, like, in a week's time. Uh, I mean, five, six days' time because it's Christmas Eve. You mean um, yesterday? <laughs> yesterday, Ben. Uh, so this coming Saturday, New Year's Eve Eve, and I'm just going to call you from the Winnipeg airport. Hey, Colin, I'm in Winnipeg. Want to come get me? Um, you know, it just doesn't work. It's dumb. I don't get why people do that. Yeah. Yeah. What's with you people? Come on. Come on, airport people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you airport people. <laughs> I, I love airports, but that's just dickery. Yeah. Super dickery. Super even. dickery. Uh, dick splash. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Callbacks to uh, so famous bit- moments from the Oz Network in 2017. Uh, so the end bit of the movie here, a lot actually happens. You know, for a movie that we're now an hour into, more than an hour into, where really the setup for the whole plot was it, and then we just had a bunch of slapstick humor for a while. There's a lot that happens in the end here. As, you know, Dan Aykroyd and the neighbors pitch in and decide to fix up his house with decorations and get everything ready. They even say, you know, what do you have, smoke trout? And <laughs> they say, we need two turkeys here and everything. Uh, it starts snowing finally, so another Christmas miracle. And then the call comes. Uh, and, uh, well, first of all, we should say before the call comes, the plan is here that the two police officers are going to be the escort to pick up uh enrique and (laughs) blair from the airport (laughs) enrique and they show yeah and when they show up at the airport uh blair's there 55 minutes early or whatever and they show up at the airport and they you're scrolling through it's just it's the one of the few things in this movie where i think the director joe roth really did something original and smart they're panning through all of the different sides you know uh, Mr. Thompson, Mr. You know uh, Waterworth, Mr. Hilding, and then it comes up to uh, Blair plus Enrique. <laughs> <laughs> As if we already established, there's only one black guy in this neighborhood. Apparently, none of them have ever met uh, <laughs> somebody uh, who's Hispanic, even though Cheech Marin is the police marshal in this town or whatever. Uh, and he's the one who gets it wrong. Tish Marin can't spell it Enrique. But they pick him up, and the whole idea is that they're going to courier them back home, but take their time. So they're doing the slow drive. And this is one of the few lines in the movie that I always forget in the movie, but always cracks me up, where they're talking about, aren't you going a little bit slow? And he's just like, icy roads. <laughs> you want to celebrate Christmas under the mistletoe or in a body bag? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they have this slow thing, which we'll get back to in a second. Uh, Angel Umbrella Man with uh, Santa Claus here brings a ham for them. So you start to get that there's a point to him being in this movie. 
And uh, I, I guess on the way back, they have to stall for time. And Spike, or what do they say, like Officer Spike or Captain Spike or something, <laughs> when he comes on the phone, this little kid, it's like, uh, uh, you know, this is Spike to Officer whatever. The, uh, come in. This is Officer whatever, Captain. <laughs> and they're just in the back. Sure, whatever. And they basically say, yeah, we're going to have to go check out something. It's a possible domestic disturbance. And Jake Busey is the dumbest character on the planet because not only once he's like, what do you mean domestic disturbance? He about six or seven times is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like, just shut up. We're stalling, you know? <laughs> he's just so dumb. And um, He's not acting. When he's they just, been, he's, yeah. That's what he does. <laughs> I just noticed both of us have switched our profile characters to the great male characters of Scream Queens here. <laughs> you can have like a sexy picture of like Emma Roberts or like, you know, Billy Lord or Abigail Breslin, but no, we've gone for the men. Yeah, I'm going to skip Leah Michelle today and I will be Chad Radwell. <laughs> oh, um, but, you know, we definitely have to do Scream Queens. That would be hilarious. Oh, Emma Roberts. Just every girl in that film, uh, TV series yeah. is great. Yeah, it's oh, let's start that as of the Fuck New Year's it. resolution. Christmas of the Cranks, rented, been it, whatever. Let's do yeah. Scream Queens. Scream Queens and Unreal, the two that we need to do. Yes, oh, so desperate to do those shows. Stop getting me excited for things better than Christmas of the Cranks. We're trying to be excited here. <laughs> um, so yeah, they they end up you know while they're faking this domestic disturbance, they're just flashing their flashlights around an alley trying to stall. Well, I bet that's been enough time. They see a guy breaking out of an apartment. And they eventually do tackle him and arrest him. This is going to play up later in the movie, which I I feel like they should have played up. I'll just talk about the whole bit here with this guy because I feel like they should have played up more with this. What eventually happens is they put him in the back of the car. They deliver Blair and Enrique to the uh, Christmas party. Everybody's inside having fun. And then Mr. Burglar out here is whispering to Spike, who's outside. He's like, I've got kids to feed, you know? My kids are starving. You need to help me. i got to get some food, some bread rolls for them and stuff. And Spike lets him out of the car, which... How does Spike have the handcuffs for the city police department? Who like, knows? explained it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think you accept it because this is the kid from Malcolm in the Middle. You would get that he probably would have just handcuff keys lying around. But it doesn't really make sense the context of the movie. But he lets him out. This guy's, of course, playing with him. He goes in the party. He uh, ends up robbing them blind. And only at the end of the movie is he caught by the Santa guy that comes up later. So I'll get back to that in a second because it's actually kind of frustrating for me the way this movie ends. Because I like but don't like the way it was handled. Uh, So at the party, everybody is happy. They're celebrating. Everything's worked out. They've got their ham. Uh, they've got Dan Aykroyd, you know, singing songs, which I guess is Dan Aykroyd thing. He's got to sing in a movie, I guess, ever since Blues Brothers. We have the, I don't know why the caroling lady is still in her caroling outfit. Like, does she wear this 24-7 or something? Oh, she's one of those Christmas people that would. You didn't even mention that scene. That scene was amazing. I love the carol. That's funny. The caroling scene? Yeah. The caroling scene's funny. Feel free to talk about it now. The one bit I just love is when they, like, she bends down to get the woman's like, Frosty the Snowman! Yeah. Uh, so there's this weird thing with his tan too, which I don't really get here on the end. And don't get me wrong. Everything from when Dan Aykroyd says, let's pitch in, let's save Christmas. I actually really enjoy, but this thing with the tan, they just should have dropped because he doesn't look that unusual. I think there was one scene where I'm like, Hey, he still looks a little bit tan. I thought that's just a nice detail in the movie, but it's not like Blair's going to show up. And be like, Why were you guys tanning? You were planning on going a cruise and skipping Christmas. Were you <laughs> like, that's not really the first thing that comes to her head when she sees a little bit of a tan on her dad. Yeah. And they do this weird thing where they put the makeup on. You had it as your profile picture before John Stamos replaced it. Uh, 
where he's got the makeup on his face and everything, and he just he looks like a ghost. He looks like you know his grandmother or whatever it was. And then they just put him in the black turtleneck, and he's like, I look like a mafia don. And Jamie the Curtis gives the line, it's like, you know, black makes your skin look lighter. And then they, they when Blair comes home, she's like, are you tanned? And he goes, no, black makes my skin look lighter. And he, if you think about logically, he should, shouldn't be saying that line. He should be saying something along the lines of the opposite. Like, you know, you're just crazy, but he, why is he drawing attention to the fact that he's trying to make his skin look lighter when she's already noticed a tan? But it's just this weird sequence that I don't think really belonged in the movie here, but maybe they had to stretch it to 90 minutes. So everybody has their big, you know, celebration thing. We get that uh, Santa Angel here, Umbrella Angel guy, he's uh, from Peru as well, or he knows uh, a lot about Peru, and him and uh, Enrique become BFFs here really quickly, and he basically ditches his girlfriend, his new fiance, for it. And there's this nice speech, everybody's saying, you know, thank you for this, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is like, thank you for everybody coming, and everybody just keeps waiting for Tim Allen to talk, and he's not saying anything, and eventually, he gives a great line where he says, same goes for me, double, (laughs) which does make him seem like a bit of a jerk, but at the same time, you get that he'd be upset that he's not going on his cruise now, like, it's done. And there's this really good scene, like a really, really good scene between him and Jamie Lee Curtis in the kitchen where she's saying, like, why are you being a dick? And he's like, we can still make the cruise. And he you see it from his point of view, but you also see it from her point of view, which is one of the things that's been missing from this movie, where he's like, you know, she can have the house to herself with this guy for 10 days. And Jamie Lee Curtis has already said, you know, this guy's a really nice guy. It's not like he's this, you know, douchey Peruvian boyfriend that we all hear so many horror stories about the douchey Peruvians. Sorry, everybody from Peru listening to this. <laughs> but they like this guy. They're like, they can have the house themselves. We can still go on our cruise. And you're thinking, yeah, you could still do that. But then she's like, our daughter came all the way home just to see us for Christmas. You know, we can't do this. They're both upset, and it's a really good scene. And in the midst of this, they see – now, the door opens, and he sees the two neighbors across the street, uh, you know, his in-law, basically, and sexy Bev – uh, who are having Christmas dinner and did not want to come to their party because apparently his wife being sick means she can't walk through one centimeter <laughs> thick snow on the ground because he said, well, then it started snowing. We couldn't go. He goes over there. And this is the thing that divides a lot of people because I think this is such a nice scene on the movie where he's in there first and he's just trying to be nice. He's like, you know what? Maybe I sh- should just be nice to somebody. And I think the point of this movie, it isn't, well, he was such a jerk to this guy. It's He has been thinking all about himself. And regardless of whether he has a point that he should be able to do what he wants, Christmas is about giving something for other people. He's the only person who hasn't really done that. So he tries to give them the ham. They're like, well, I'm allergic to pork. and My wife, you know, can't eat this. Well, I'll just take it anyways. And then he doubles back. And there's this really incredible shot, which I always love just the shot, the visual of the entire street with all the lights on and Tim Allen standing in there with it snowing. Mm -hmm. And when he turns around and doubles back and he's like, this is the cruise. I want to give it to you guys. And it goes on for like five minutes. And, most of the time, I would probably say this scene goes on too long of them going back and forth. No, we can't really do it. It's just perfect here because I think the performances of these two guys and sexy Beb here just looking stunning as always. This saves the scene. And it's just this really touching scene. And maybe to me, it's because this is his father-in-law from Home Improvement where they kind of have the similar relationship. But he's saying this is like a real no-strings-attached gift and they're like, well, we got our cat. We'll come up with a plan. And there's this nice moment where even just these two old people who realize how lonely they are were like, you know, our son was going to stop by tomorrow. And they're eventually like, let's face it, he hasn't been here in years. <laughs> he doesn't even call us. 
Uh, I think he changed his last name. <laughs> um, and they realize, well, maybe we will take this. Uh, Luther takes the cat. There's kind of a fun moment where the cat is legitimately fighting Tim Allen, which I don't know if that was even planned or not. Uh, and the movie kind of ends other than the fact there's one of the neighbors who's stuck up there with the snowman. What are you doing up there on the roof? He says. <laughs> uh, now, here's my problem. Obviously, Snow, uh, or not Snow Angel, uh, Santa Angel guy comes up with the umbrella, knocks out the burglar when he eventually starts escaping from the house, and he saves Christmas. There's a really dumb thing where they pan out at the end of the movie, and everybody's like, Merry Christmas! And there's the blinking snowman, as I mentioned, which also has a really bad effect of Santa's car, this mm. you know umbrella angel guy being pulled. I can kind of accept that because this is a corny, cheesy Christmas comedy, but my biggest problem is I feel like those two climaxes should have been reversed. Having the nice ending with the old people across the street and giving away this cruise should have been the climax. You should have had the burglar trying to escape, and then you end with the other climax. And for me, it just it doesn't work having them reversed. I don't know if you have any opinion on that, but I actually like both the endings. I just feel like it loses a lot of its effect when you don't have the more heartfelt ending as the last part. Because that's kind of how Home Alone ended, if we're comparing it. Home Alone had that really nice ending, you know, with the old man uh, after the whole climax with the burglars escaping. I just don't get why it's even in the story. It's kind of just there. It's, I mean, it really doesn't serve any plot at all. Like, you could have just had them stalling, and that's it. Why did we need this random guy at the end stealing stuff, if you know what I mean? So... I don't even know why we needed that, but I, I, I like your idea. I think kind of we could have had that, you know, swapped around. Um, I, I mean, yeah, the scene at the end with, like, the, the neighbour dude, uh, it's very sweet, it's very nice, but again, I just... The thing that kind of it I don't get sold on is that, again, we're meant to believe that these two hate each other's guts, and this is kind of like a thing that they yeah. come together, and, like, at no point do I really even... Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess there was a bit of stuff there, but, okay, fair enough. Um, so, I mean, it's a nice gesture, and, like... I think kind of going back to like when, you know, he gives that speech of like, oh, same but double. And then, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis goes off at him for being so selfish. I thought you would have changed. It's like, I just mm. do not like, no, he doesn't need to. He, he spent like three grand on a cruise with no travel insurance. He has to give it away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you think about this, if you had to spend $3,000 on a trip for Jamie and she's all like, no, Ben's coming to Winnipeg. We can't go on it. <laughs> You'd be pretty pissed off. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm kind of there. Um, but, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the, the one random bit that I, I wanted to mention from earlier that kind of I laughed at was when he's um, spraying his uh, his front yard with water and he makes everyone slip over and the cat's like frozen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Blinking cat eyes. Um, but... Yeah, like, the singing stuff. Like, it always amazes me in films when you kind of got, like, a scene like this with singing. Like, how do these people just know the song straight away? It's not like they're playing, like, White Christmas or Jingle Bells that everyone knows. This is, like, Peruvian Jingle Bells. So, like, you it's know... It's like people in Canada singing, like, uh, uh, Six White Boomers or whatever. Yeah. Is, which I heard on the radio today. <laughs> on the radio? Really? Yeah, I think they do, like, oh, here's a joke. These are Christmas carols from other other countries every year. <laughs> and I guarantee you that there would be the majority of Australians would hear that and not even realise it's an Australian Christmas carol. Like, they just don't <laughs> play them here. Like, we just get your traditional ones. Uh, it's so rare to hear the Aussie Christmas carols. That and uh, Aussie Jingle Bells, uh, which is just bogan as shit and embarrassing. Um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really have much else to add. I, I like the, that shot in the street. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because I just, I know that's a really nice shot. I don't get the whole, like, so are we meant to just believe that Marty is Santa? Is that what it's meant to be? Yeah, I see. I always forget that whole thing of him with the reindeer at the end because it is so dumb. Uh, not as dumb as the blinking thing, but, um, you hate I, blinking. I you hate blinking. Yeah, it's a blinking fish, <laughs> license to kill. If John uh, Stamos was blinking in something, you would just die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just the worst. John Stamos, uh, you know, funny, funny thing here. Have you ever noticed that Channing Tatum never blinks? That's just a completely unrelated <laughs> are we observation not, I have. Like, I'm sure if Jamie's, and I'm the one who's saying this, oh, Ben, you're so gay. But like, are we meant to be staring at Channing Tatum's head? Like, I mean, come on. The guy has That's nothing going point. for him except for his body. <laughs> there is nothing from the neck up going on, and we're talking internally and externally with Channing oh, Tatum. He's, he's good in he's good in Logan Lucky, so I'll give him that. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it yet, oh, but I'm sure there's better. It, you've got to see it. It's so good. But Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah, yes. the, the blinking thing, you know, that's the real problem I have, but... I forget about the whole Santa thing on the end because I feel this movie was written in a way, and this is probably the one thing that wasn't in the book. And from what I could tell, this is the one subplot that's not in the book, the whole Santa angel and everything. It plays better if he's an angel, like, you know, the whatever the angel's name is from It's a Wonderful Life or whatever, where it's just a guy who's an angel there to save Christmas. Having it be Santa makes no sense, especially since I already commented it. This is a movie that's devoid of Santa. Mm. Like, it's devoid of Jesus, it's devoid of Santa. Christmas exists in this weird universe where Santa and Jesus don't exist, and it's just about lights and hams. And yet Santa shows up at the end randomly. Most of these people would be scratching their heads saying, who's he supposed to be? Like, I don't get the, 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 the character here. There's, like, no resolution. I mean, there's resolution for us, but, like, why are people in this neighborhood so just like, oh, who is he, who is he, like... You know, this is a place that's letting in a burglar. <laughs> I'm so. Yeah. Like, um, but there's a line I didn't write it down, but I, like when he says something about Santa at the end, Tim Allen says something about Santa, which I kind of laughed at. Um, the way he kind of says, it. "I'm like, oh, haha," because you're meant to be your Santa Claus. So I don't know. That was just a random thing I noticed. I should have written down the line because it's kind of awkward now because it's not funny the way I explained it. <laughs> Cat frozen the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anything else you want to add on the the end of the movie here? I'm just I, I really want to get your opinion on the scenes with Walt. Like, you know, because I feel like even when I saw this the first time, I'm like, this movie was so average, but I just loved those last scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, there's nothing wrong with the last scene because it's so sweet and nice and just him giving the, you know, thing. Because, you know, I guess we didn't really sort of mention about Bev's obviously sick. So there's like, yeah. I kind of think there's nice little moments in this movie when you find out the cancer's come back for a third time and, you know, how is she? Oh, she's having a good day today. Oh, she's having a bad day. Like, I think that's, you know, from personal experience, that's kind of how stuff like that works. So it's kind of, you know... It's it's heartfelt, and there's nothing wrong with it, just the closing. I just kind of like the back and forth about, like, the cat. Like, who can take... Oh, they can take... Oh, no, they're allergic. Oh, no. And yeah. Tina's just like, oh, I'll take the cat. Um, but it's just, again, it's just my issue with it, and I don't know if this takes away from it, and maybe I'm not as high up as you. And, again, I don't remember the guy from Home Improvement because it's been a long time since I've watched Home Improvement. Um, but I just I just don't feel a, a ultimate payoff resolution because, again... It's like you think about Home Alone 2 when he's scared of the crazy bird lady in the park and, like, the whole time he sees this woman, we're terrified of this woman because she's creepy as fuck, but then we later find out that she's nice. Then the neighbour guy in the first one, like, that's kind of, like, 
it's a weird comparison because they're not at each other's throats, but uh, there's a nice payoff. Whereas this, it's like, I just don't feel like they hate each other enough. There needed to be more done between these two that they hated each other. We seem to be bringing up grumpy old men and grumpier old men a lot. Yeah. But, like, that's the whole thing in those movies. They hate each other, but then they have to, they like each other at the end of the movie. So it's kind of, you know, Look, I don't uh, know. It's I, I, I would love for one person out there, though, to actually defend, and I'm not saying defend Home Alone. Home Alone 2 is a, is a fun movie. It's a flawed movie, but a fun movie. But if there's anybody out there who actually believes the bird lady in Home Alone was more effective than old man Walt here, oh, I would love wasn't. to hear from you. She wasn't. I, I, I will admit yeah, I good. like... I like Home Alone 2 better only because I think the New York stuff. So that's, I watched that so many more times yeah. growing up than I did the first one. So I know the second one so much more better. Uh, but like, and plus the first one has a spider in it and it scares me. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to do Home Alone movies because like, I just think we need to rip shit into the fact that they're the worst parents in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they leave their kid behind when they go to Paris. Like, what? How do you do that? Uh, Anyway, but they're great movies. But um, yeah, I just I just don't get that payoff here at the end because again, as I keep repeating myself, repeating myself, there's just not enough animosity between these two for me to think that oh, they really do like each other. Even the little bit at the end when kind of they walk off and it's like oh, it doesn't mean we have to be nice to each other. It's like well, you weren't really that. It's kind of a fun scene. Yeah, it's fun. Like I kind of like the little old man sort of references, but I don't know. There's just I just wish they had played it up more in the film. Uh, well, that's basically the end of the movie. And nothing on Blinking Snowman? You got no opinion uh, on yeah, that? I defended Blinking Fish, Colin. I mean, come on. Yeah, I was, I'm, you're the wrong guy to ask. Sorry. <laughs> you watch Veronica's Closet and like Blinking Fish and James Bond. <laughs> wow, that hurts my feelings. You eat spam and have sex. You just do weird things. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of those is true. One, well, actually, actually, both I haven't had in a while. So... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm actually starting to wonder now if spam is gluten-free. Like, am I allowed to eat spam anymore? <laughs> is sex gluten-free? You're allowed to have sex anymore. <laughs> um, Jamie, you can't wear that. So, it's not gluten-free. <laughs> uh, so Christmas of the Cranks came out uh, November... What was the date here? 26, 2004. Uh, roughly about a month after Surviving Christmas, the movie that it shied away from. And Surviving Christmas was a complete failure, a complete disaster. Christmas of the Cranks looked like it had even worse reviews than Surviving Christmas, but somehow made a fortune. And this is what I was talking about at the beginning, where the the gross of this movie and just all movies around this time period really showed that people were probably starved for more family-friendly movies. And I like to just do compa- – sometimes I like to look at years years. I remember – this is sort of unrelated, but just along the lines of what I noticed here, this observation. Uh, I always remember all the talk about Star Wars that you've heard over the years, that why Star Wars was such a big hit is because not just movies were so dark in the 70s, everything up to 77, but just life in general was so dark and so down. And, you know, maybe there's something to that here. We had, like, the Iraq War and everything. And if you look at the type of movies that were out the, the year prior, even a movie like Lord of the Rings, it's a pretty heavy movie. And then you get... You know, all this other stuff like Mystic River and, uh, you know, there's not a lot that's uplifting if you're looking at 2003. The Hulk, you know, mm. uh, pretty dark superhero movie, even that that being the big superhero movie 2003 and everything. You like that, don't but you? I, I like the first Hulk movie, yeah. But <sighs> I, I, I'm i not saying it's the greatest Hulk movie, but I like it. Uh, but, but I can really see, like, 2003 being a pretty dark year. And I just noticed um, one of the things before I even get to the box office is when the critics' reviews came out, I remember people were baffled at the box office gross for this because they're like, audiences don't seem to like it. 
Critics don't seem to like it. Why are people seeing this movie week after week? Because it ended up making pretty close to $100 million, I think. And what it kept being uh, not blamed on was like, you know, these like parent councils against anything fun and those types of groups. Life in general in 2017. It's not just parents groups now. It's the world. Exactly. (laughs) But one of those or some of those big parents groups, they really backed this movie for being a clean, family-friendly Christmas movie. And that was a big story at the time that those groups were driving all these, you know, people out there, all of these families out to see the movie because that endorsement worked. And it was one of the first times I think maybe that's one of the things we're seeing it right now with The Last Jedi that uh, critics love this movie, audiences hated it. Now journalists are trying to explain and claim, well, the scores we're seeing from fans on IMDb and these other sites are actually fake and somebody's rigging it just because they can't explain that maybe an audience disagrees with a critic. And this was sort of the first time that where they're like, there are some groups out there that have more influence over a critic. And this movie makes $73 million, which for a low budget, terrible movie was quite extraordinary. But when I looked at the other grosses, I think it actually really backed up the whole family friendly thing because this opened number three at the box office, uh, made $30 million over the long weekend. Because I guess it came out a few, we should say, it's a five-day weekend. It was Thanksgiving. $30 million over the long weekend. Um, it was uh, outgrossed second place by The Incredibles, which was in its fourth week. And first place by National Treasure in its second week. Nicholas so Cage! all three of those. <laughs> Nicholas Cage, yeah. Nicholas Cage, Craig T. Nelson, and Tim Allen. Does it Merry get any better Christmas! Than- <laughs> uh, but then you have the Polar Express, which, again, has been out for three weeks and just sort of stuck around week after week. Fifth place, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And then you had Alexander uh, in sixth place, opening in sixth place, which was, if you weren't around in 2004, you don't remember yeah. how much hype there was behind that movie. It's like, this is going to be the new Gladiator. And it just tanks in sixth place. Bridget Troy, Jones. The Troy was out about the same year, too. So that was kind of this whole Troy, revival yeah. of Sword and Sandals movies for a while there, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was the other thing, is that Troy made a truckload of money as oh, well. And here Alexander movie. comes out. I've loved Troy a lot more than Alexander. Troy's I've, a great I've never movie. seen Alexander. I don't want to. I, no, I, I tell yeah. a lie. I've seen half of it. I fell asleep, so I stopped watching it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I just found it really interesting that you look at the top five movies are like extreme family-friendly stuff. Like nothing that even a five-year-old would you know, have an issue with. And then Alexander, this movie with incredible hype behind it, tanks. Bridget Jones, Edge of Reason, seventh place. Another movie, movie with a huge amount of hype behind it. The first one was a massive hit, and it tanks. And I think there's something about that, that, that like people were starved for family-friendly movies, and that kind of explains the success of this, I think. Yeah, I'm looking at this list, too. Um, that's amazing about Alexander when you think about it, because I remember the hype behind it. Uh, that was, that was, wasn't that basically one of, if not the most expensive movie ever made, or something ridiculous like that, too? Like yeah, it was... It was- huge so yeah i just i just remember how badly that tent i think like i remember being at a friend's house and we like rented it because it was like oh let's see how and yeah we just literally stopped watching it um so and like i was never really into those movies i mean troy we had to go see it at school and god i hated that film um and gladiator i'd love another chance i think it's i think you'd like troy if you watch it now yeah maybe um crybaby orlando bloom um (laughs) yeah is Sean Bean in that, Rose is he? Girl. I know Eric Banner's yeah. in it. I love it. I mean, we talk about Australian actors who kind of disappeared from, you know, society. Eric Banner. Um, I love me, so Eric good. Banner. He's great. He's, he's been to Tasmania. He competed in a famous car race down here, and he made a film about it. Uh, love the Beast. Go watch that. It's actually about Eric Banner in Tasmania. Um, 
So, yeah, I forget what my point was going to be. I've looked here. Uh, the interesting thing about this movie, though, is like 73 million it made. So, if you actually look at it on the overall Christmas, like they've got here a list of 70 Christmas films. Uh, this is officially the 13th most successful Christmas movie of all time. Um, yeah. Just ahead of Fred Claus and just below Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, and you know what's funny because I, I thought about that in the last episode because I think we were mentioning about you know the box office gross for Santa Claus three was still pretty good compared to other Christmas movies. Most people don't really think about the fact that you have your really big ones like Christmas Vacation and Home Alone and the Santa Claus, but outside of those three, can you think of maybe Polar Express? You can include in there too, The Grinch. But can you think of a lot of Christmas movies that actually made a ton of money? Most well, of them, like A Christmas Story, were just moderate hits. Christmas Vacation didn't... Ma- I mean, Christmas of the Cranks made more money than Christmas Vacation, so there's that one. Uh, I mean, the top, I mean, the top, later, the top yeah. five, top five, Home Alone, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Polar Express, Home Alone 2, and Elf. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, if you look at that list, like, there's no new movie. Like, when was the last time we had a really successful Christmas movie? The most recent one on this list is 10th Place, currently Daddy's Home 2, which hasn't even cracked the $100 million mark. I mean, that's quite... The thing that I don't get about this list is, like, Die Hard is always a f- sort of... A f- it's not... I know it's not technically a Christmas movie, but people classify it as one. Yeah. Love Actually is a Christmas movie, but that's not on this yeah. list. Um, and Daddy's Home 2, I know it's set around Christmas, but what is the criteria for this? How is Love Actually not on this list, but Daddy's Home 2 is? Yeah, um, I mean, I think they may say it has to be released around Christmas because I know Die Hard was released in the summer um, and I don't know about uh, Love Actually. I think that was released around the fall too, so maybe, maybe. the release date has something to do with well, it. Well, you, you, even just looking at this, just the recent trend, I mean, Daddy's Home 2 is 10th. Uh, a Bad Mum's Christmas is the next one that's currently in the movie. That's 15th. But just looking at the release dates here, it's really been a long time since we've had a successful Christmas movie. Maybe that's why I go back to my point of saying I haven't really seen a new Christmas movie in a while. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting, like, you go through those classics, and this is, like, the debate we always, and we've talked about this on some of these episodes, and, like, my uh, article thing that I wrote for the newspaper a few years ago, which I actually wrote a top three, not a top five, I think I alluded to a couple of days ago, and I tagged you in that post. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, since I tagged you in that post, I've had more people comment on it, more people like <laughs> that post. This is from two years ago, people, and people yeah. are commenting, saying, your choices are dumb, or great choices, Ben, because my three choices were Santa Claus, Love Actually, and Jingle All The Way is the top three Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm, Elf, for example, is one that everyone talks up. I only saw Elf for the first time last year when I was traveling. I watched it on the plane. It was okay. Uh, it, yeah. Uh, it didn't stand out for me. Like, the, the funniest moments, again, the ones you see in the trailer, like, you know, Will Ferrell, Santa! And like, I love mm-hmm. Will Ferrell. Like, I, I appreciate his type of comedy because he's like an Adam Sandler. If you like him, you'll like his movies. If you don't like him, you won't like his movies. Maybe like Tim Allen, perhaps. He's maybe in that category. But um, I'm ranting here. I agree with what you said. But it's, it's interesting here that, yeah, like this movie actually makes more because I always perceive this as a movie that people hated. So that's kind of why it surprised me yeah. to see that this made quite a lot of money. Yeah, and I think that that whole family-friendly push really helped the movie. And uh, if we just look at even today, I said that this movie's developed a bit more of a following over time. If we look at today, the critics' reviews, Rotten Tomatoes, 5%. Uh, is what it has for critics 37 percent for audience but if you look at imdb as i said i distinctly remember this movie being like in the twos 
or maybe the the low threes, like three point something. And it's currently at a 5.2, which is like a huge jump. And for just a dumb Christmas movie, I guess that's the same as those other ones, Deck the Halls or whatever. Uh, just an interesting note here. I found my old, because you can see what you rank this movie. I found my old IMDb ranking for this, which I ranked it a 5 out of 10. And I can definitely say my opinions changed on this a little bit since then, but probably still pretty fair. Uh, just to run through a few of the reviews here. Some of these I thought would be kind of funny. Uh, of the 5%, there's maybe two here that I think sum up at least my feelings on the movie. One, uh, Fred Topol of MovieWeb says, it's a perfectly fine, inoffensive family comedy. I think that's yeah. pretty fair. Um, and uh, the other one here, uh, a more sweet than sour satire that sets its sight on nasty but lavishly honey-coated underpinnings of the holiday season. Again, it's kind of funny because it is sort of a sweet movie, but yet it is like very focused on nasty stuff, which I just thought was funny. Uh, some of the really funny bad ones here. Richard Luck of Film 4 said, Christmas the Cranks is the sort of film that leaves you thinking Ebenezer Scrooge might have had the right idea about the festive season. <laughs> um, uh, here's, uh, where's the one I'm looking for here? Uh, Jeffrey M. Anderson uh, of Combustible Celluloid says there's not a single lifelike character in the entire picture. Wow. (laughs) Uh, That one's a little bit weird. Um, The Tony Toscano from Talking Pictures says rotten eggnog. That's all he says. Uh, (laughs) This was my favorite one. (laughs) That's on the DVD cover. Rotten eggnog. Tony. (laughs) Rotten eggnog. Uh, my favorite one here, Dan Jurgens from Freeze Dried Movies. I love how you know they try to sell critics hated this. And have you heard of any of these people? <laughs> but Dan Jurgens of Freeze Dried Movies has the best one here. Almost had me convinced to convert to Judaism to avoid <laughs> having to go through anything ever again that even remotely resembles this movie. <laughs> well, isn't, it's so funny hearing these because isn't um what was that? Oh God, I've got the Kurt Kirk or whatever that movie that came out in the last couple of years ago. Um. Who's that? That '90s actor who, like, he's a complete Christian fundamentalist. Kurt Cameron. Kirk, um, uh, Cameron. Was that one surviving Christmas or not surviving Christmas? Was it? Um, and he's he's was like often regarded as like the worst Christmas movie. One of the worst. Won all these Razzies and stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, to I think, never like, saw it, but... What would the comparisons of that be like to this, considering how bad the critics' review are for yeah. this film? I mean, it's probably similar to the lines of the audience reviews for The Last Jedi right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I just want to say, Kurt Cameron, another one of my favorites growing up, because I love the TV show Growing Pains. Him and, you know, Michael J. Fox and Tim Allen. Those are the guys I grew up on. I like Those are my John Famouses. I mean, I I didn't watch Growing Pains as much, but he was in a few other things, wasn't he, randomly, that um, I always kind of liked it when he was in stuff. But, yeah, now he's just a complete nut of whack job. Yeah, um, but... uh, Maybe we can fit in a, a 90s. To go along with Ben's uh, 90s MILF month. <laughs> <laughs> 90s MILF month on the Oz Network. Yeah. <laughs> 80s young hunks. And we'll have like Kirk Cameron, <laughs> Michael J. Fox, John Stamos, and let's throw like Jason Bateman in there or something. <laughs> uh, um, no, hang on. Um, uh, Matthew Broderick. Come on. Matthew Broderick, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you ever watch this? We're just really going off. I can't believe we've gone over two hours on Christmas. It's the our Christ. last episode Let's of the year. Unless we do Jumanji. Yeah, Are we doing Jumanji? Is... Or... <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe if we see it in time. I don't know when it comes out for you. Uh, boxing um, for us, but anyway. <laughs> but um, uh, with... Uh, what were we going with that? 90s show, the 80s shows. I mentioned Matthew Broderick, and you're like, have you ever seen... Matthew Broderick. 
Uh, I lost it now. <laughs> Next Christmas, people, we promise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I remember that. Another one of my favorite shows when I was a kid, and it was, I think, very few people would remember this after the show went off the air. It was a show called Perfect Strangers about two cousins and Bronson Pinchot was like in the Beverly Hills Cop shows. He played like this foreign cousin that sort of came to America named Balky. It's just an amazing show. Let's, oh, now I want to do these shows. Come on. Yeah, fuck like Nip Tuck Lost and Third Watch. We quit them. Like, uh, let's go to Proteins, family ties. Let's quit Proteins. our jobs. Let's do nothing in life. You can like, you know, ship Jamie and Casper off somewhere and we'll just like make this our life. We'll not get yeah, paid exactly. for you. We don't need money. Who needs money? 86. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, that's Christmas of the Cranks, box office and everything else like that. I think it's developed a better reputation over time. Let's get into our own opinions on this. Uh, I'll just go with mine first. I've kind of given a lot away here, but I enjoy this movie a lot more now than I used to. And I remember seeing it for the first time and thinking this movie's not going to hold up well, but I love that ending. And it was probably like this came out 2004 it was probably like 2011 or 2012 before i ever watched this again it was more just it was on tv one day before christmas and i told jamie it's like oh this is another tim allen movie i'd really like to watch it for the end of the movie and then i showed it to jamie and she's like this movie's hilarious because she kind of likes dumb humor like this but she thought it was great and uh since then i think this is maybe i don't know maybe the third time i've ever seen it in 13 years but I find it ages better than I thought it would. And if you're not going into it expecting to laugh as hard as you would at Home Alone or Christmas Vacation, I think it's an enjoyable enough movie. So amusing is the word I keep using. I'd say that uh, my rating that I put a 5 out of 10, I think is pretty fair because I'd put this sort of right in the middle. I would be honest and say this is probably been worthy, but I enjoyed parts of this enough, particularly how it ends, where... I'm willing to watch this maybe every couple of years just out of curiosity. I think it is low rent for me, but I would definitely give it a rent. Um, I thought you were going to bin it. So I was kind of like, going, shit, maybe I have to bin it now. But I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to give it a low rent. You only do what I tell you to is what we've learned on these yeah, shows. <laughs> we've established that, that I only do what Colin says. I My opinions are Colin's opinions. Um. No, but I, I wanted to rent it. I wanted to low rent this. And I think, oh, God, is it going to be the weird one? Because, yeah, I just, I didn't have any expectations. And I kind of, you know, again, as I said at the beginning, it's a dumb movie. I can see why this gets bad reviews. I'm not going to come out and, oh, you know, I'm not going to die another day this film. You know what I mean? So it's like, and even then, I can still see criticisms with die another day, people. Um, There'd be other movies like I would absolutely say are masterpieces that people would, like The Adventures of Pluto Nash is not that bad. It is really not that bad, all right? Fuck you, haters of... You, you don't like The Adventures of Pluto? It's a good I've, movie. I've never seen it. I just... I think you're losing credibility here. It's we just... had people for... <laughs> you like Battlestar Galactica. Uh, not Battle... You like Battlefield Earth, don't you? Yeah, Battlefield Earth has its place. Okay, <sighs> so I'll, I'll, I'll... Yeah. Anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> Yay. You got me. Ben I've got lost something. credibility too. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I mean, I just, there's just, I, as I said, I could see myself watching this again. I'm not going to rush out and, you know, it's on TV yeah. last night. Um, but <laughs> time recording this is on TV tonight. But yeah, I, um, I'd see this again. So I'm yeah. going to give it a low rent as well. All right. So Merry Christmas, everybody. We started off with a bang and then we progressively got less and less interested. But I think this is. It's, it's a victory because it's not the Santa Claus 3. Uh, Tim Allen's worst was still to come after this. 
Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for Christmas here. Ben, do you want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas or no? No. Uh, no neither do i so screw you people bah humbug everybody (laughs) fuck christmas no merry christmas we will not be celebrating we will not wish you a bah humbug we will not get angry if you wish us merry christmas we just don't care about what you do with your families this was all about (laughs) us and our love for tim allen okay yes it's always about us on this show come on yeah uh but it is kind of our last episode before Christmas, and we hope people listen to it. And I hope that you actually are enjoying Christmas Eve or uh, tomorrow you enjoy Christmas Day or Boxing Day Eve, as uh, some people will consider it. But we're done pretty much for the year with this episode, which is kind of sad. This is our first full year, not even full year, but our first year with the Oz Network. And we do have a couple of things still to come. Um, do we have, I mean, you've done some work on it, but do we have a best of compilation that's going to be aired before the end of the year? Is that going to come later? I think it will ultimately depend on the things that you're going to do uh, when you get them to me, because uh, I think I've done my side of things. I mean, I, I do a best of every year, sort of just before Christmas of uh, The Brink, which is kind of what all these shows are born from. Uh, and a lot of that has a lot of Oz Network stuff on it, because I kind of have an umbrella. Like, there's a few, there's like a best bit from um, Off the Podium, a bit from 007, um, you know, bits and bobs here and there. So if you want to hear that, that will actually be released on Christmas Day tomorrow. Uh, just search for The Brink. It's all connected to our pages and stuff. But in terms of an Oz Network one, I'll just get all the Oz Network stuff from that. When you kind of do your little side things with the Jamie bits, I'll just release it as an episode, hopefully maybe by the end of the year. It's no rush, but I mean... Um, we'll get it for New Year's Eve. We'll get it. I mean, It'll be done. We're still going to have, uh, you know, Lost Third Watch and Nip Tuck will come out this week as per usual. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of, I guess, us doing... You, we're going to have a few weeks off, aren't we, before we get into winter stuff? Maybe Jumanji will be the only one yeah. that we'll kind of do, because I plan on seeing that. I don't know if it'll be on Boxing Day, but uh, I want to see it. Yeah, I mean, there's a few reviews that might be coming out. Uh, we're kind of getting into Oscar bait season here, and I definitely want to see a few of the movies coming out, particularly Molly's Game, which is the Aaron Sorkin movie with Jessica Chastain, who's pretty much the most perfect actress in the world. Like, she can do no wrong in my eyes. Uh, so that one I'm excited about. Jumanji, I'll definitely see that soon. I actually have time now, so <laughs> I can watch things that aren't Star Wars, which, by the way, I've watched twice, even though I didn't care for it. Are you going to see it uh, a third time, it, though? You know, if we had started this episode earlier, uh, then <laughs> I planned on seeing it again tonight, just again out of curiosity to see how your opinion changes, and because there's some good bits in there, too. So uh, we don't hate it that much. Just uh, I'm only going to go see it again stuff. if Dad really wants to go see it. That's about it. If not, eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're not planning on a third review episode. No. At least not yet. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get a lot of these Oscar bait movies coming out. And some of the plans we have, we sort of, I guess, quarterly will let people in. Or I don't even know if quarterly is maybe even, even less than that. You know, every season or so, uh, we give you an update as to what's coming up over the next few months. Last time we did that was sort of around midsummer. We started saying, you know, we got this anniversary month coming up. We have the uh, um, Justice League stuff. We have the Star Wars stuff. We got the Christmas stuff. I don't know how far we've planned in advance, but at least one thing we know we're going to be doing, uh, or I'll say two things. One, we're definitely going to be doing something for the Oscars, maybe where we will watch every, do micro reviews so we don't have to do 10 full reviews of all the Oscar nominated movies when that comes out. 
and then maybe do like an Oscar prediction thing or rank our own ones of the Oscars or something along the lines of that. But the big one we have planned is coming up for the Winter Olympics. And if you listen to our other show, Off the Podium, then uh, you know we're huge Olympic fans. And we've already talked to one of the members of the Cool Runnings, the real Cool Runnings team. So, yeah, Olympic month will be coming up before the 2018 Winter Olympics start, uh, which is going to include what we decided on. I think it's the obvious ones, the only ones that really have to do with Winter Olympics, which is Cool Runnings, oh. Miracle. Um, was, there was a third one Eddie, in there. What was the Eddie third one? The Eddie, Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. And, of course, the obvious one that just came out will be I, Tonya. So Which will depend on how four, we can, yeah. I mean, our review of that it, yeah. recap might be different if we can't sort of see it outside. Because I don't think we're going to be sitting in the cinema yeah. with notepad and go, oh, can you just pause that in Rwanda? Yeah, I didn't exactly. get that quote. <laughs> But we'll at least cover the the four big Winter Olympic true story movies. So uh, that's the big thing that'll be coming for us. Are, that's is that going to be February? Uh, I think we kind of start yes, middle right. of January. Because um, yeah. obviously the the game starts sort of beginning of February. But can I just say like we talk about like how excited I'm going to be for Jurassic Park, Jurassic World month mm-hmm. next year. You know, slightly excited a little bit for the Tomb Raider ones, although not maybe as much as you think I should be. I actually found, random fact, just found in my uh, garage, uh, Tomb Raider, the official companion book, uh, which I bought when it first came out. So uh, I can bring you insights of Daniel Craig's blossoming career from 2001. Um, but How sad that you wasted your money at such a young I age. Was 14, all right. <laughs> uh, you know, like, shut up. Um, but... Uh, I don't know if I've been maybe to this point at least as excited as I will be potentially for Cool Runnings because that is a movie I know back to front. That is a movie I literally used to rent from the video store and just watch like 10 times a day. So uh, I love Cool Runnings to absolute bits. Uh, So I'm so looking forward to being able to like talk about that movie. No, again, one of my favorites growing up. um, And Miracle, you know, I was older when I saw it, but it's, it's, it's really just one of the best sports movies ever made. And I've never seen Eddie the Eagle. So oh, that's going to be interesting. That'll be it's cool yeah, runnings, but with um, ski jumping. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's and literally the jumping. same as cool runnings. You know, yeah. Hugh Jackman is John Candy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we, we've got some fun things coming up, but uh, Christmas is over. So um, <laughs> enjoy your Boxing Day shopping, everybody. Boxing and Day month, all the Boxing Day yeah, movies. Boxing Day, all those famous Boxing Day movies. Uh, coming soon to the Oz Network. But uh, my name is Colin, and I desperately need some spam. And my name is Ben, and I am going to go eat some jello with Botox shots. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.